Hey everybody, it's Brad Williams and Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by White Cloud e-cigarettes. We're not saying you should start smoking, but if you already do, awesome. And if you've ever wanted to try an e-cigarette, these are the ones to go with. White Cloud e-cigarettes offers over 20 flavors. That's almost as many as Baskin Robbins. 20 flavors and 6 nicotine strengths. It's cheaper than other e-cigarettes that you'll see at convenience stores and with much more variety. White Cloud e-cigarettes sponsors comedians they've been doing it for over two years now they've also sponsored uh comedy festivals like the boston comedy festival and the orlando indie comedy festival if you've ever been curious about trying an e-cigarette i have well the fling is the low cost no commitment way to do so and the fling offers same day ups shipping on orders before 6 p.m eastern but is there a website? Customers can go to WCESigs.com. That's WCESigs.com. But we want to make sure our listeners get them for cheap. So is there a coupon code? To get 25% off of the order, use the coupon code ALN Podcast. That's ALN Podcast at WCESigs.com to get your White Cloud e cigarettes today. And now enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night Podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Huh? I <laughs> On your mark. Gets it. Go! And they're off and they're trying to shoot the blue juice into the bucket. And there goes mom and she's shooting that blue juice really hard. And I feel like that's kind of dirty for me to say. But here comes daddy's also catching that blue juice from little Chrissy. She's shooting that blue juice on. Come on, you gotta keep going. You've got 30 seconds left on the clock. You gotta win that first challenge. You gotta get that Casio keyboard. Oh, and there, oh, mom falls down from the blue juice. Too much blue juice everywhere. Oh, blue juice everywhere. Blue juice everywhere. It's double there. Everywhere. I'm Mark Summers and Double Dare is what I host. You win Casio keyboards and trips to Disneyland. I didn't realize there was such a <laughs> amazing guitar solo. Damn, holy crap. That's oh, like but back Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Double Dare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Double Dare. Pie in the face. I don't care. Cause it's Double <laughs> oh. Double there. <laughs> How awesome is this freaking podcast today? If you subscribe to the About Last Night podcast, you know what today is. It's a day that Brad and I have been dreaming about since oh, since since this podcast was conceived. Yeah, and we and we found out that we can have guests. We had bucket we, list guests. Yes, and uh, Julia White, Ju- Julia White, uh, Harlan Mr. Williams, Harlan Williams, Mr. Belding. Yep, <laughs> and. This person was on our list from the beginning, and we finally got to talk to him, and he lived up to every bit of the hype. Mark Summers. Mark Summers. Mark freaking wow. Summers. Host of Double Dare. Host of What Would You Do? Host of Unwrapped on the Food Network. Producer of Restaurant Impossible. And we could have just stopped at Double Dare. Because you, know, be, I mean, you know who he is. So, anyone who did that show that had that sort of impact on people could have just called it a, called it a career. But as you'll find out in this, in this interview... Mark is—he's got such a motor on him. He's got such a great attitude towards life and this business that 
there's no doubt that he was ever going to not make it. Because yeah. 64 years old, yeah. working as much as he has and is still doing, like the, the, the stuff he told us he was working on before he left is incredible. Mm-hmm. And not only, yeah, do we talk about Double Dare a lot? Sure. Yeah. Do we get some inside stories you've never heard before? Absolutely. Do we, we do. talk about his appearances on Oprah and The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and when she got into a, a fight with Burt Reynolds? <laughs> Which is like the Burt Reynolds versus Mark Summers. You would think that would only yeah. be on that MTV show Celebrity Deathmatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that, that, that was never going to follow the right. Manny uh, the Manny <laughs> Pacquiao. Floyd Mayweather, that yeah. guy? Yeah. Good job, Adam. Hey, well, I already <laughs> forgot. Hey, I forget dumb fights. Just like I forgot fighting uh, Kyle uh, Nielsen in fourth grade, I forgot Pacquiao Mayweather. Because <laughs> guess what? They both were the same amount of greatness. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the stories he picked up on, I learned so much about this guy that I had no idea He started about. as a stand-up comic yeah. and a radio DJ and a magician. Right. The comedy store stories he told uh, of bringing up Robin Williams and Letterman mm-hmm. and Leno. I mean, that was something I, I didn't expect us to get into. Growing up with David Letterman in Indiana. Playing been, racquetball, yeah. Yeah, playing racquetball with David Letterman. That's literally what he's done in his life. What have you done in your life? Not played racquetball with David Letterman. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just so interesting, and we went into so many different facets. We talked about, like we said, we talked about Double Dare, Comedy Store. All the shows he's been involved with. We touched upon the fact that he's got uh, OCD and has uh, famously uh, lived with it. And uh, if you should go on YouTube and look up, look about uh, Mark Summers on Dateline because it's a really fascinating look. And my dad has OCD, so I wanted to talk to him about that. And that part was fascinating. This it, this podcast quickly shot to the, the top of my list yeah. of like one of my favorites and just- yeah because as we said you know uh, he's been a hero of ours and mm-hmm. uh, and to be this cool and funny and uh, and uh, you know tell such re- fascinating stories. receptive to um, telling us stories that he uh, hasn't told before right was really great and uh, he and he curses so if you ever want to hear Mark Summers curse if you ever had that fantasy. Yeah. By all means, uh, keep listening and enjoy. But before we get to that, obviously, we got to talk about where we're going to be. Oh, we got got Mark on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, But, um, and before you really get into this episode, uh, YouTube the Burt Reynolds, Mark Summers Tonight Show clip. Because the story that follows, it'll be that much better to listen to the uh, behind the scenes of that story. So watch that. Watch If you want to watch some of the Dateline clip on YouTube, watch Mm -hmm. that too. Uh, and, And familiarize yourself with Unwrapped. And, uh, and you know what? Go back and watch a YouTube clip of Double Dare just to make your life better. That's not even for the podcast. Right. Sake. That's because, hey, do you want to wake up with a smile on your face? YouTube Double Dare. Do you want to go to bed <laughs> feeling good about the day that just preceded you? YouTube Double Dare. YouTube Double Dare. I'm going to go around the country telling kids to YouTube Double Dare. But I want to be a fireman. Fuck off. YouTube Double Dare. <laughs> but I'm, I want to move to Wisconsin and, and have four kids and start a family and start my own business. You can do that after you YouTube, YouTube Double Dare. Yeah, wow. You, you sound like that Ronco guy. Like, <laughs> set it and forget it. That's, that's like Adam Ray's catchphrase. YouTube Double Dare. I like it. So uh, uh, follow Mark Summers on Twitter. Uh, what's his Twitter, Adam Ray? At L-B-A-T-V-M-C. L-B-A-T-V-M-C. 
TVMC. But if you Google Mark Summers' Twitter, it'll come up. But yeah. follow him on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Adam Ray Comedy. Follow Brad on Twitter, at Funny Brad. Brad, where are you going to be coming up? Well, Pittsburgh, PA. I'm coming to you May 14th through the 16th. I'm going to be at the Improv in Pittsburgh. And then Columbus, Ohio. May 21st through the 24th, I'm going to be at the Funny Bone right there in Columbus. One of my favorite clubs. So uh, come on out. And hopefully, hopefully you watched my special, Brad Williams Fun Size, on on Showtime. They were unbelievable. Thank you, sir. I've seen those jokes, and they they were even better watching them on my TV. Thank you, sir. Maybe it was because of the uh, vest, but maybe it was because you brought a little something special because it was your special. I, I, I think the thing I brought... Special was the best, maybe, but uh, it, 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 it was so much. You were fun incredible. To do. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. And uh, Showtime, thankfully, is re-airing the crap out of this thing. Yeah. So uh, go to the Showtime website and find out when Brad Williams Fun Size is re-airing and watch it. And uh, for all the two dates, go to bradwilliamscomedy.com. There you go. Come see me, Vancouver, BC. The Comedy Mix, Vancouver, BC, May twenty-first, twenty-second, and twenty-third. In Vancouver, B.C., get your tickets at ComedyMix.com. It's a great club. It's a great city. And I'll be there. So come see me May 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Uh, And then, of course, you can see me uh, at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory in Scottsdale, Arizona, June 25th through the 28th. Get your tickets at LaughFactory.com. And then, of course, the Parlor Live, uh, July 9th through the 11th. It's a few months away, but I want to get the word out because... uh, Hey, Seattle, that's hometown, and those tickets, they're going to go fast. So you got to come out and see me at the parlor in Bellevue, July 9th through the 11th. And after you come see Brad and I live, go to astoymerchandise.com and get your ABLN merch. We got shirts, we got mugs, we got mugs, we got shirts. We got stuff that you want and that you need, and you got to wear it and support the podcast. Because if you wear your shirts to the shows, what are we going to do to them? We're going to sign those shirts. We're going to sign them. And that increases the value of those shirts by three whole cents. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. What a dick. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and as always, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Rate the podcast on iTunes. Uh, leave a comment on there and uh, tell them how much you love it because that helps us in our ratings. Helps us get bet- bet- better guests, which after Mark Summers, I don't even know yeah, how we're going to top this. this. Uh, but, yeah, if you take two seconds, rate the podcast. Give it a five-star rating and comment on the iTunes page. That helps us out a lot. Take two seconds. Write a comment. Write, you guys are rad. Write, you have a bomb-ass summer. Write some, you know, r- r- rhyme something like Adam and Brad, you know, uh, you know, should, you know. Aren't bad? Uh, aren't bad. Are rad? Wow, I couldn't come up Can with one. Can bad? I couldn't come up with It took me four seconds to, 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 to let rhyme. you come up with a <laughs> word that rhymes with bread. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's so sad. Uh, oh, too soon. <laughs> uh, but, of course, subscribe on iTunes. Listen uh, on aboutlastnightpodcast.com and, uh, and keep listening because we got more awesome guests and more great shows coming at you. Now that all the tour date info is out of the way, those are the Twitter handles. That's all the merch info. So now sit back, relax, and enjoy quite possibly the greatest episode of the About Last Night podcast in the history of the world with our guest, the one and only... Mark Summers. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a Jew, so why don't you sit down and listen to a dope podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of the day. So come on and treat yourself right. 
It's about last night. Uh, first of all, I just want to say this is a real treat for us. Oh, and I and I and I wonder if it gets old for you to hear that because no. you're watching a lot of. <laughs> no. I, I just love it because. Whatever that show was, mm-hmm. it hit a particular shows. By the way, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess they did more than one. Um, whatever an impact it had, it was huge, and the fact that people still remember and want to talk about it is fascinating to me. And I just found out that Nickelodeon Viacom released a new DVD in the last week of, you know, stuff that I did. Bloopers. Yeah, no, just the shows. Yeah, and, okay. And it's like. Uh, you know, and they'll try and not pay me again, and then I'll have to go after him. And you know, shots fired, Nick. Uh, hey, Nick Junior., we're coming after you next. Honest to God, uh, they just always try to get away with it. Well, we paid you over scale for the show, so oh, we get God. Like, oh, the guy justify it. It's yeah. like, no, you're still you're still re-releasing the stuff, and there and there is no double dare without Mark Summers. Well, and I I was the only guy, you know, O'Malley and all those guys who were hosting shows. I was the only guy who was paid union. Somehow they got away without paying those guys, and I demanded to be paid through after. So. You know, we still have recourse, and they every couple of years they send they get sued by after because they try to get around without paying me, and it just it just never ends. You know? Wow! Is not, there not not since the episode where uh, SpongeBob fought, uh, fought with Squidward has there been so much conflict about Nickelodeon? <laughs> Very funny. Yeah. That's hysterical. <laughs> That's right. You, you, say, you say you had no idea the impact it was going to have. And I guess there really is, in, and you know this better than anybody from being in the business for, what, 40 years, right? Yeah, I think 40 years. So, I mean, but you know, uh, but you just, you know that, like, there's no guarantee on anything. There's no, no as great as Double Dare probably tested, you still were like, well, you know, you just don't know until. You know, about year three, we started to go, you know. I bet 20 years from now, kids are going to be talking about this in some form or fashion. <laughs> I bet two grown men in their 30s are going to like yeah. not be able to stop. Do you know, yeah. by the way, I used to have a joke in my act. My uh, my folks split when I was nine. Thanks for bringing that up, Mark. And, uh, and I used to have a joke. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you have to. Yeah, I used to say, I want to be in a contestant on Double Dare so bad as a kid that if somebody came to me and said, hey, would you rather have your parents get back together or be a contestant on Double Dare? I'd say, I'll take the physical challenge <laughs> yeah, because I've already been through the emotional challenge. That's, that's for uh, darn sure. Sure. Yeah, you know, it, you know, we started to realize that uh, we had something going there, and then mm-hmm. we started to, to write bits around the fact. And it's so weird to me where people come up off the streets, and you know, somebody holding a baby saying. You know this one episode where Robin did the Green Goddess joke, and I go, "How do you remember <laughs> that stuff? How you does know? that happen? Yeah. Like there, there, like there's fandom, and then there's super fandom. Oh man, there's some people who are obsessed with that show who can tell me more stuff than than I even remember. Do you remember episode five of season six <laughs> when Janice? She was about fifteen. She loved the clarinet and dragon. She couldn't find the flag. But in the you nose. know the sick thing is, they'll say, you know, in season three when they changed the background and they went from the glass to like, go, no, <laughs> I, I have no idea about that stuff, and I, they'll tell me when there were set changes. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap, you're like, I just showed up and collected a paycheck. Well, no, I was having a ball. I was having the best time of my life, but I just thought it was insane that people were that obsessed where they could tell me when, well, you know, when Byron Taylor changed the background. (laughs) How do you know the set designer's name? Was there ever a time uh, when you got back? Like, there's one of my favorite moments. uh, Here we go. (laughs) First of all, I love, because you, and we'll get into this, you uh, you were a stand-up comic for how long? I started doing stand-up in 1974. Well, here's the 
do. Yeah. I was a professional magician. Right. Okay. Yeah. Holy crap. And so I moved to LA and I start working the Magic Castle. And were you I'm Mark real, Berkowitz at this time? I was Mark Berkowitz at that mm-hmm. point. And I woke up one morning and uh, belated happy pace off. By the <laughs> way, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you're you're sitting and, with one other tribesman, <laughs> and I can pick out which one. That yeah, is. <laughs> Brad is an honorary goy. As well, honor- you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm kind of Jewish by association. I'm I'm pretty sure uh, in in some Jewish households, instead of gelt, they. Uh, Pass around midgets and uh, <laughs> little people, please. Oh, okay. you know, oh I'm sorry. I'm right <laughs> for the love of God. I'm sorry for offending you, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's Don't a new show. That. We're trying to. Now I'm upset. That's a new um, show. Offending Mark Summers. <laughs> that's right. Because the midget sits across from me. Um, and nonetheless, uh, um, uh, oh man, where have we gone off? So, so uh, magician, magician. So I was mm-hmm. a magician, and um, I was playing comedy clubs, yeah. and I was opening for Gallagher, and he goes to me. Hey, Brick, what's your asshole? And I said, <laughs> why? And he goes, because you know when you pick up a prop, you get paid less. Now, this is a man who had more props than any human in the world. Yeah. He said, you pick up a prop as an opening act, you make less money. And I found that I was being paid 150 as an opening act, and the comics were getting three. And I'm going, holy shit. So, really? Yeah. So I slowly weaned my – I would open with a little card trick, and then I slowly just got into stand-up. And so I became a regular at the comedy store in 76 – uh, with guys like Dave Letterman and Jay Leno and Robin Williams and oh, Gary yeah. Shandling. I started, I was in that group. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm still proud by the fact if you go to the comedy store, my name is still on the wall. I've seen which it. Which is very cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the fact that, you know. It's way cool. You don't realize how much of a stamp or, and just a notch on the belt that is because no other club has a, a rite of passage like that. Right. And yeah. so I'm thrilled. Uh, I didn't know that that was you, Mark Summers. Yeah. I thought that name was like, ah, oh, there's some other comic named Mark Summers. That was me, man. Wow. And so I started there at the store until Mitzi said one day, I can't do anything else for you. I'm not going to book you anymore. <laughs> Mark Summers <laughs> has a Mitzi Shore impression. Everybody, Everybody has one. Yeah, Everybody they all sound does. different. They all sound like her. Yeah. Um, and I, I worked the improv because um, this is another interesting story. You know, Bud and Mitzi hated each other. And yeah. The thing Bud we always Freeman, wanted yep. to see was uh, a car crash on Sunset Boulevard where <laughs> Bud and Mitzi hit each other and they got out and, you know, what the hell was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all those owners, quite honestly, were pretty much hated by all the comics right. because they controlled our lives, especially back then. Yeah. And because Norman Lear could walk in at the time and make somebody a, a sitcom star, Jimmy Walker, whoever. And so um, there was a fire at the improv one night. Mm-hmm. And the next day, I showed up at eight in the morning and said, Hey, bud, what can I do? I was the only comic. Everybody who ever worked that club didn't show up. Get out. I showed up at 8 in the morning and said, hey, Bud. And so for the next couple of weeks, I helped clean up all the fire damage with Bud Friedman. And after that, I owned the place. I was emceeing on weekends. Wow. Uh, and Which that was a big the, deal. It was, it was huge. You couldn't. I mean, come on. Who was coming through those lineups when you were emceeing? Who were you uh, bringing well, to the Richard stage? Well, Richard Lewis, Andy Coffman. I went to college with Andy Coffman, but Andy what? would. Get yeah. out. And so. In Graham Junior College. At right? Graham Junior College. And um, and, and so, you know, and Elaine Boozler. And, you know, it was a who's who of comedy. And some of the acts, the only acts who were able to cross over at the time, Jay could do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Dave never went to the improv, but Jay did it. Richard Lewis did it uh robin did it uh but there was sort of a dividing line between comedy store and, and improv sure. uh but the improv was the harder room to work the best room to work was a place called the laugh stop in newport beach you could break in new material there and never have a fear because it would always work and then you would take that same material that killed at the laugh stop the week before and do it at the improv and die man it was <laughs> unbelievable it's always one of the more frustrating things about being a stand-up comic it's just like why did this work here and yes, not over here it never been you know and people say there's no such thing as a bad audience i disagree with that there were audiences that suck <laughs> yeah okay there are 
And there were and my favorite night to perform was always Thursday night. For some reason, Thursday night was a hot crowd. I guess it was because they were getting ready for the weekend. Yeah. yeah. And they were jazzed up, you know. Like Monday always sucked. Tuesday mm-hmm. was like, eh, Wednesday, eh. But you know, generally Thursday, Thursday the, Friday, Saturday. Turning a corner. Yes. And it's only one more day at work and you're probably not gonna put in a full day or no. a, or a great day. But the worst thing that could happen to you at the comedy store, not that you're asking me this question, but I'm going to answer it, um, uh, was when Robin Williams was getting ready to do a Tonight Show, and he'd come in and go, can I just do 10 minutes? Well, Robin t- took 10 minutes to say hello. And so he would do 45 of insane, yeah. off-the-charts, standing ovation, insane. Yeah. And my line, and now they say, please welcome the comedy of Mark Berkowitz, and I'd say, oh, look, ladies and gentlemen, a walking ovation was my opening line. <laughs> Because everybody would walk out and right. he'd be left with six. Because the room dry. It, uh, it, nobody could follow him. Yeah. yeah. And so it was six lovers and drunks left who didn't give a shit about what I was doing on stage. But that's you where know? you cut your teeth, right? That's I mean, mm-hmm. you really got... At 12.45, if you could make anybody laugh. Yeah, because I, I, you know, uh, once I got past those of the spots I got for the first three, four years. Oh, and, you, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and it's really, you, you're bummed because you're like, oh, I want to get better spots. But then you, once you realize that, oh, just to be getting spots there is great. And then you're like, all right, well, let me, there's a reason I'm getting these late spots. Let me use these to my advantage. Yeah, and break I'm, in stuff. I'm get... sure, yeah, I'm sure there was uh, something to be said about the spots you got there that transitioned in the way you dealt with really stupid kids on Double Dick. Well, and that, well, yeah. <laughs> kids, that do, kids that when you would ask a question, which is what I was going to get back to, is when you ask a question, you go, how many knees does Oprah have? Right. And these two kids look at each other and they confer with each other, as you do, because you're teammates, and you right. come up with one answer. Yep. But hey, man, when that question's asked, one of you should just respond without even checking in. Don't you think? Because you asked, how many knees? <laughs> yes. That was always a give-me question. Right, and they right. would, you know, Question one was a give-me, question two was a 50-50, and question three was a physical challenge question. That's how we would build uh, the packets. They were impossible, the physical yeah. challenge questions. Oh, right? usually. You know, it's like, uh, take the amount of relatives <laughs> that they had on the Brady Bunch times the amount of people on the Partridge family, and then multiply it by the number of planets. <laughs> literally, that's how we would write a question. And, so, and then... So you, you were like, well, we have this giant mouth with slime in it, and we can't just not use it. Right, exactly, you know. So, I mean, that, that's kind of how it worked. And eventually, when they opened up the big room of the comedy store after the strike, and yeah. I was there during that whole situation, sure. and we got paid, I would be the MC on a Saturday night at the comedy store and walk out with a check with $180. It was wow. like, holy shit, we never got paid. And this was in the late 70s, this early was, 80s? Yeah, late 70s. I yeah. stopped working in the store in the early 80s. So that's a large chunk of change. That's like, that's like walking out with maybe like 700 bucks now. I could pay my rent. Wow, my rent was 125. Right. So you get a check for performing one night at the comedy store for like 180 dollars. It depended on the crowd. Sometimes it was 95, it was 110. But mm-hmm. certain nights you could pretty much make your rent at the time. And that plus I was working the Magic Castle. I was doing wow, four shows a night, seven nights, 28 shows a week for 145 dollars. So that your Holy school crap. of I mean, you didn't go to a hosting school. Your no. school, you, it, you, all I of performed. your you yeah. performed, and that's I mean, I think you would say to any young comic or aspiring host, right? I mean, I don't Get know if you stage. did you pull Jay Leno aside on those improv nights and he was like, <laughs> Hey, Mark, give me some. Uh, <laughs> Any tidbit on hosting? I wonder. I like to host a show. Would you? No, uh, you know, Jay. When I got there, Jay and Dave owned, and Robin a, a year later owned the store, and wow. they could do. And they would stand in front of uh, the store, and they would hang out together, yeah. and then they'd watch you, and they make Jay McCumber say, "You know, if you took the word it out of that, you get a better punch." That they you would know? give you some. Oh yeah, joke technician. Yes, they, they, they would. They can break it down literally to the word. The best was a guy by the name of Bobby Kelton. I don't know if you know who Bobby Kelton is, Sounds but familiar. Bobby was a joke master. And when I first got to the comedy store, uh, Bobby Kelton, a guy by the name of Glenn Super, who unfortunately passed away, uh, Ellis Levinson, uh, and a guy by the name of Mark Scheffler would be the guys who would help write my act. 
Um, and they formed what, you know, the first 20 minutes that I did and we'd go out and do it and it would suck or we'd get better or you'd figure out where the rhythm or the, you know, what was going on and you just got to do it. And that's what I tell people. You got to get on stage. You can't want to be a host. You can't want to be a stand up comic. You got to freaking do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no other, there's no other way to get the experience. Right. That's just, by that's, watching. Yeah, that's what I love about this business is you can't take a class, you can't read a book and be like, oh, okay, well now now I'm a comedian, no. now 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 I'm a host. You just have to get out there and do it. And when you're performing like like you say, 28 shows a week yeah. between the Magic Cast, you better, and the unless Shore. you suck so bad, <laughs> you've got to get better. Yeah, you know? I mean, you learn you by, put, by doing it. Yeah, you put in your 10,000 hours in about six months. Good, good lord, Mark Summers. But you know, here was the interesting thing. Um, so when I auditioned for Double Dare, I was almost I was 33 years old, and so I looked a lot younger. But I had tons of experience. I had done warm ups on Webster and Star Search and What's Happening Now and wow. Our Magazine. I was the warm up audience warm up. Yeah, and audience for people who don't know, up. that Holy is an incredibly uh, difficult job. Yes, because you have people. It's almost like doing a late spot at the comedy store where you've got people from all but over. But for four freaking hours. Yeah, for four. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, you have it, to be funny for four hours. Yes. Yeah, basically any show that you see with a live studio audience, they, the, stu- the studio audience doesn't just sit there. There's a comic or a host or someone who sort of cheerleads them through. It makes them and, laugh and keeps them entertained during the down period. Right. And as soon as their taping resumes, you could be mid-bit and building to a punchline. You better line. shut up. You, they just the momentum. Yeah, it's the moment you have no momentum. It's brutal. And so I, I did that for a number of years. At wow. one point, I was doing a show called Soap. Next to me was a show called Bosom Buddies, and Bob Saget was the warm up guy. And wow. across the hall from us was Barney Miller, and Letterman was doing the warm up on that. Holy shit! Yeah. So the three I had of no us idea were about yeah, those guys. Absolutely, the, 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 we all did that. Well. And you, Dave hated it. And Dave's <laughs> manager brought him over and said, "You got to watch this guy, Mark Summers. He's really good at it." You know. And I knew Dave from Indiana because mm-hmm. yeah. we both grew up there. I used to play racket. Ball with Dave. What? And the, oh yeah, all the time. Can what? that can that be the name of your biography? I used, I used to play, play racquetball with Dave. Yeah, with Dave. I don't Runner. know whatever happened to him. But, um, <laughs> uh, I think you should go on his show before he closes down. And you share know some what? It's so stories. funny. I just I have never been uh, on Letterman back, back in the day um, when Double Dare was bigger than life. I used to go and hang out at NBC with Dave because it was a phenomenon. All yeah. of his writers and I watched it. But Dave would never allow me to sit in the audience. Okay, not anybody he knows isn't allowed to sit in the audience. So I would sit in the green room all the time. It was very frustrating. Same mm-hmm. thing at the CBS show. So I've never sat in the audience. And Brian Tedder, who's a producer on the show, is a friend of mine. I can show you the email. I just got it today. Yeah. I I begged him last week. I want to see the show once in the audience. And I, and he said you can't sit in the audience because you're. Oh, I just turned it off, damn. Uh, but because you're a celebrity, I said nobody knows who I am. Nobody cares. And the word came back today. I was too big a name to sit in the audience i went oh man Nobody, <laughs> i said i wear glasses and i had yeah I you went, were i am not allowed to sit in the audience it's that's frustrating you know he won't let me do it won't that, let me do it and, and and not only is he is he a comrade in comedy he's also just a like you say a, a childhood friend known since yeah. you know i was working at a station wbmp in elwood indiana an fm station and i was 15 years old you're a radio so, dj right yeah so i started so 51 61 so like 1965 66 i was doing this i i couldn't even drive so there was a guy by the name of steve Warren, who used to drive me, he was the chief engineer. Well, something happened and he couldn't take me there any longer, and so I couldn't do it. And Letterman took my place at, at BMP and Elwood in no 65, 66. Holy so, shit. you know, we go back that far. He yeah. used to, I wow. mean, I can tell you Indiana stories about Dave, but putting that aside, um, it's not a guy that I don't know. I right, know sure. him and he knows me. I can't get in. Would you guys talk about, well, we'll see what we can do about that. Uh, we might <laughs> yes. just have to get a Kickstarter going. Forget Mark Summers <laughs> in the late. audience at Letterman. 
uh, would you guys share, I mean, when you were doing those uh, warm-up, uh, the audience warm-up stuff, would you guys, the same way, um, you know, comics help tag jokes? We never interacted. You None of us did. Say, hey, here's a good joke you could no, do. No, because we all game. handle it differently. You know, Dave had this the delivery that he has doing yeah, a stand-up right, is what dry, he did out there. Yeah. Saget was insane. It's funny, <laughs> I hadn't seen Bob in years, and I was, I, you know, I'm by coast, so I live in Philly, and I live yeah. here, mm-hmm. and he was performing in Philly, and I went to see him last week, and it's just, it's just crazy that, you know, we're all basically doing the same stuff, but I sent him a text, and I said, 35 years on stage... And he, he controlled that audience. He didn't even really do an act. He did shtick and interact. He, he walked yeah. out and he said, I think I'm related to everybody in this audience. But <laughs> he was fun and funny and entertaining. And it's just so great to see that experience. Because all you ever hear is, he's filthy. He's disgusting. You know, he's entertaining. Yo, he's, he's a, a good pro. He, he he, he'll, he'll bring out a guitar. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll play songs. He'll, he'll tell jokes. He'll do crowd work. Like, and, and we know from watching him on all the shows they did that he's also a good actor and, and a good host as well. Yeah, no, he does many things well. And he's got a really young, cute girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> now, do you ever look at the careers of like a, like a Bob Saget, where how he, how he kind of stayed in stand-up the entire time and look like... Like, maybe you wish you had stayed in stand-up the no, entire time? You know, I was always confused. Um, I really wanted to be a host. I wanted to be Johnny. I wanted to be Bob Barker. I wanted mm-hmm. to do that. Um, I never longed to be in stand-up, but I knew it was a way to get from point A to point B. Right. Gotcha. I was never really that funny. Uh, I, I was okay. I was were you were you game show funny? Because I'm sure you see like Bob Barker. Like, he, you wouldn't say he's a comedian, but he had good enough timing and... Even if somebody did something crazy, like the way he would just like look at them or the audience. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, Barker and I, uh, the first show I, I worked on was a show called Truth or Consequences that Barker used to host. And I used to go to the, there was no cafeteria or place to eat. There was a lunch truck and we used to go out and have conversations. So I'd sit and talk to Barker. I was 22. Wow. And um, and our favorite comedian that we had in common was, was Jack Benny. And Jack Benny used to make everybody around him the star. And if you watch Barker, that's what he did on Price all those years. He yeah. made the contestants the, the the people. And so we would discuss that on a regular basis. And I was good with delivery and, and punchlines and know where to put the emphasis on a joke. Because as a kid, I just studied you know anything that was on the Ed Sullivan Show. I watched Johnny Carson. I watched Hollywood Palace. No I watched the Dick Van Dyke Show. I was obsessed with entertainment and mm-hmm. just wanted to be you know involved somehow i had to do it I, that was all and i've never i've been very lucky i never had a job outside of show business once i what? left college wow. i never was a waiter i never worked at uh, macy's i never did anything like that i always kept a job in the entertainment business and never took a job outside i was very fortunate how and so when you uh you left college in boston in boston right? 1973 i came to los angeles and and with the hopes of uh you know hosting the tonight show as yeah. we all did back then mm-hmm. we figured johnny was going to leave um, and I got a job as a page at CBS Television City, and I worked on uh, Mary Tyler Moore and Sonny and Cher and Carol Burnett and All in the Family and all that kind of just stuff. Just doing odds and ends jobs yeah, and just doing that. helping out on the shows. And then I, I became a game show writer. And uh, the worst job I ever had outside of showbiz, I had two. One was uh, I used to host a wet T-shirt contest at a place called Big Jaws in Long Beach. Oh, man, that doesn't uh, sound too bad. Bucks, <laughs> yeah, 50 bucks on a but Sunday night. But it was men. It was, it was men <laughs> was oh, over, okay. yeah, over 60. And I was a, I was a DJ at a restaurant chain here in town called the Hungry Tiger and I, w- I used to have to play a disco music and, and that's as far outside of show business as I, as I ever got. Wow. Yeah, everything else and then I was performing in the comedy store in the improv. In the Magic Castle. In the Magic Castle. I made a living out of the Magic Castle. I got lucky to perform two weeks a month there so that was almost $300 a month and back then you could live on that and my wife was okay. working and, uh, you know, it, it worked out great and then I started, uh, <laughs> I, I was a magician for the Hertz 
rental car company. I was dressed in a yellow uh, tuxedo, <laughs> and I was the great Maroc foo, which stood that... for "May I rent a Hertz car for you?" Oh my God, Maroc Maroc foo sounds like the number four at Panda Express. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, and you know, and, and hold the soy sauce. Um, and and so I was the great Maroc foo, and I would go to uh, travel conventions dressed in this yellow thing and do magic tricks, no and kidding. then get people. And then I worked at a uh, the houseware show in Chicago for a company called Pickem, where I would do magic. Magic tricks with their pots and pans to get bring people in. So I somehow Pick always, him is the name of the guy who makes the Morocco. I, I think so. <laughs> and so I just was lucky enough. I was I was, you know, people used to tell me they would hire me just so I would stop calling them. I was <laughs> you were ruthless. I was I would not stop. Hey, just that that's hire how hire me. That's how we book guests on this podcast. So apparently, because <laughs> you guys didn't leave me the F. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I sorry. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry. But I knew we were gonna have a good time. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we are. Um, were you good? I, we haven't. I mean, you worked no. at the Magic Castle. But, <laughs> no, but like they only they don't hire just well, bums off the street. No, I got good. Once again, I had a guy by the name of Peter Pitt who worked with my act and taught me what I needed to do. But here's the thing. Here's what you you learn. And the day I became a host as a talk show, I just wanted to be a talk show host, and right. I know what the hell I was like doing. Like Sally Jesse Raphael? Yeah, you know, or <laughs> more like Donahue at the Donahue. time. Okay, yeah. And so um, I was doing a show called The Home Show on ABC, and there was a comedian by the name of Howie Stevens who was doing segments, and he couldn't make it one day. I filled in and got him bumped out of the job. What? And so, wow. yeah. And, and I'll tell you what I did. Showing up. Um, he went, he took a trip to Europe when he should have done this last thing. It was a prize where they were going to give $10,000 to some lady in Virginia, um, or West Virginia. So he, they called me up and said, will you do it? It's a one-off. Only one time Howard's going to get the job when he comes back. So we go to this lady's house and surprise her, knock on the door. You won $10,000. It's live. And she goes, you know, I've always wanted to meet Gary Collins, the host. And I said, off the top of my head, live TV, you know what we ought to do? We ought to fly you back so Gary can hand you this check instead of me. And now at the time, I figured, well, screw it. They're either going to fire me or shoot me. Or yeah, right. it was a one-time deal. Who one cares? Time. And, uh, Were you bummed, by the way, that she wasn't pumped to get the check? She was more like she was, her focus was on... No, it was on both. She was glad to win the money, okay. but, she, but she wanted to meet the host, yeah. which I get. Yeah. And, uh, and I said it, and the exec producer, Woody Frazier, said in my ear, nice job, Mark. So they flew us back, wow. and they let me be a part of that. And the next day, they fired Howie, and I became a regular on the show. <laughs> Holy and crap. So, yeah. So, it, so like, it almost looks like you had this evil plan the entire time. And I had nothing <laughs> to do with it, but I just was thinking on my feet. You know, when you get mm-hmm. one shot, you got to go for it. Sure. And through that, they used me as a regular for the next couple of years and then I became a host of the show so he said to me uh, Gary's going to be gone for a week will you host the show for a week I said sure so on Monday I had read all the material of the weekend and I crammed my head full of stuff yeah. and I went out there instead of um, letting the people talk I took charge in, in a bad way mm-hmm. and the network ABC went to Woody and said we want him off the show. He sucks. We wow. don't want him hosting the rest of the week. And Woody, in my defense, cleared a desk, went nuts, and said, I believe in him. We're sticking with him. So Woody calls me that night and goes, okay, you really did a horrible job, but here's what you need to do. You need to study that material, and then tomorrow when you come in, we need to have a conversation. I said, okay, fine. So I studied all the material, and we're about 30 seconds to air, and he's in my ear, and he goes, did you read all the material? I said, yes. He said, okay, now forget about it. Go out and have a conversation, which is what I did, and it was the day I became a host. Because you have wow. to listen. Yeah, you, it's not about you talking. It's about letting the other people shine and, and have a conversation. It was the day I became a host. At that point on, Woody became the exec producer of a show I did called "What Would You Do?" Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know and talk one. about incestuous things. Most addictive theme song ever, by the way. Yes. Wah, 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 no, no. You know what? Let's take a second to sing it here. What? 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 What?
you do. do. So Woody's <laughs> daughter wrote that song, as a matter of fact. What? Yeah. No kidding. And so I became How a regular. On the, oh, yeah. <laughs> I became a regular then uh, doing that and filling in and all that kind of stuff. And now Woody does a new show called Home and Family. And I filled yeah. in the other day, and, and now I'm filling in on that. So, you, you know, the people that you meet. Throughout your career, and I've known Woody Frazier almost 30 years, they keep calling you. He's 80 years old, still out there yeah. producing television shows, and okay. I'm his go-to guy. He still calls me. It up. really is true what they say about people who want to work with people that, A, they like, but B, they know are going to deliver. And right? he, started, mm-hmm. he started Mike Douglas on the Mike Douglas Show. He started Good Morning America. He started a show called That's Incredible. Here's a guy who's a pioneer who's been doing So, TV like, he's first. done nothing in his career. Nothing Maybe you'll give him a break one yeah, day. You want to start naming point. some reputable shows? <laughs> and so yes. I've been lucky enough to work with people like that who keep calling. And to this day... Day. I'm six. I'll be 64 in November, and and when people say to me, "You got the job," I just go, "That's insane!" Because there's a million people out there trying for the same gig. Why did I get it? You know. Yeah. Well, and there's a period of time where initially you're up against a million people. Now I've been doing it for so long, they want me for you know I've did you're at the top uh, of the list. Well, mm-hmm. no, I you know people grow up with me, and uh, you know I'm doing shows on Comedy Central, and uh, I'm getting ready to do a show next week on uh, the True Network called uh, Friends of the People. And nice. So now people, I did a music video uh, <laughs> with uh, you know a big rock band um, <laughs> because incredible. people want to meet me because they grew up watching me, and yeah. so which is fun. Is it, it is it crazy for you? To, I mean, like you said when you first sat down, we talked about still the uh, the uh, how popular double dares in the uh, minds of of so many people D- have you just gotten adjusted to understanding that and, yeah yeah finally it took a long time yeah it took a very long time i mean because because that's got to be weird to like you think back to jack benny mm-hmm. like in things that shaped your childhood mm-hmm. you're doing that for you did that for Another other people. generation which yeah. is very cool and now i'm in the middle uh we're going to be doing a one-man show that opens in uh bloomington indiana next april Called the Life and Slimes of Mark Summers, working title. It may change, but oh but my god, we're going to do ninety minute no intermission. We've got some very cool things we're doing. We start in Indiana, we go to the Adirondacks to a theater, we go to Chicago, and we're looking for an off Broadway theater right now. Mark, because, that's a brilliant idea. Well, yeah. I didn't think anybody cared, but I did summer stock about three summers ago. I played uh, Vince Fontaine in Greece, nice. and these two kids. You know, I played Danny Zuko in Greece my sophomore high school. I, I can qu- see you playing. I quit Danny. football to play Danny Zuko in Greece, and it was the best move you ever made. <laughs> I'd want to be an actor. After Absolutely, yeah. uh, change lives. Uh, I played the football in the in the uh, pep rally scene. <laughs> Quite good at it, though. I had a yeah, tight spiral. Guys. What was your line again? <laughs> Wee! Yep, there it is. Yep. <laughs> so I'll never forget it. Wee! Yeah, it was good. And, and, and so I met these two young guys, are now in their late 20s, who said we should write a show. And these guys, one is writing his first Broadway show, one is getting ready to star in his third Broadway show. And they wrote the script, and we actually have people who are investing in this thing. And Why would you not think that people... Because when you're living it, you don't think anybody cares. And you're not tracking numbers. You're not mm-hmm. looking at like the Mark Summers like your IMDb chart or I have no idea I don't yeah. care about that stuff. you're just yeah. trying to make the best show possible and then after you do it on to the next show exactly I just I'm a, I'm a working performer hopefully and so the fact that anybody would want to spend money and come and see a story about this is fascinating also to me. the live aspect is just I mean like could you be a, a you know you're so comfortable in front of people which I want to ask because when you started doing a radio DJ yes. that was your first maybe introduction to entertaining people well no I started doing birthday parties as a magician when I was like 11 years old what yeah I started doing that I learned magic and so that's I I used to work in and when I went to high school uh, at a place called the pizza pizza inn 
And and I got paid like $135 a week working Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights doing magic. So, you know, my girlfriend, Paula Van Ness at the time, she was like living in luxury because I, we were going out having dinner and <laughs> free, finer nice hey, gifts. free and, pizza. Yeah, well. When, but, when, you're, when you're that age. But who do you, knew, who did you know at that time who was making, you know, over $100 a week? Nobody. You know, oh, we could nobody. do anything we wanted. Yeah. So What were your tricks at 11? Uh, you know, I did the staying typical, up past 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Without you know, I did the yourself? typical cut and restored rope, and you know, make things appear and disappear, and all that. You know, whatever. I guess, yeah. you know, still do it. But uh, yeah, it's just weird. You know, to go from magic to comedy to hosting. You know, mm-hmm. from, uh, with the warm up stuff in between, and then get some acting roles, and and uh, it's been a great life. You know, I, I, it beats working. I mean, I can't believe I got <laughs> yeah, paid it's not a job. to do all this stuff. But you've always been comfortable in front of people. Always. I mean, so the magician that you just you started doing because it was. Uh, I mean, and that must have also like kind of blown the minds of parents because a yeah. lot of kids aren't. They're a little, they're just you know socially awkward and whatnot. But here you are, like, like I have no problem not only like being in front of you adults, but also like showing you a skill set that you probably think I shouldn't have right now. And every comedian that was on from George Carlin to Bill Cosby before he started doing all that stuff to women. Uh, I knew all their acts inside and out. I yeah. could perform their their stuff because I listened to their records. I was going to say who are your those are your influences. Right. Yeah, yeah, I listened to you know uh, Cosby was you know the king at, sure. the, at the time, uh, but you know comedians on the uh, Jack Parr show and and Johnny Carson I mean, was Jack nothing Parr to host the Tonight Show before Carson yeah right? and Steve Allen before that yeah and so. Yeah, I would stay up. When my parents would go to bed, I would sneak back out and watch the TV and stay up. If Buddy Hackett was on The Tonight Show, I, funniest man I ever saw in my life, so hmm. I would watch him. So I would study comedians. That was like the most... And I worked at a summer theater, Starlight Musicals, when I was a kid. And any show that came in town, I, I would go see. And Jack Benny performed live, and I got to see and meet him. And you know, they would do theater. They did Sound of Music, and they did Bye Bye Birdie. And you know, I would force myself on people just to meet him to say... You know, how do I do? I want to do this. Right. How do I get to do this? Yeah, you know? because you see people on TV and you go and you think to yourself, like, well, that's a great job. That looks like a lot of fun, but you don't know how to how do, you do, do it? it. I'm in Indiana. How the hell do I get to Broadway? Right. How do I get to tell? How do I do this? You know? I've been to Bloomington, Indiana, by the way, to stand up and uh, in the college town. Yep. Uh, and uh, my first night there, I went out to uh, the bar that was there. And <laughs> this is now, by the way, act. it's the bar. The, no, no, no. There's you, a lot of activity. There's there. a lot now, yeah. <laughs> this guy pulls me aside and goes, uh, he goes, hey, uh, just so you know, one in four uh, girls in Bloomington has an STD. And then he proceeds <laughs> nice. to give me a visual demonstration, uh, an example, and goes and starts pointing to girls in the bar and goes, one, two, three, herpes. And points <laughs> to a girl and she turns and she's like, what? And uh, it ended up being his girlfriend. So <laughs> oh, I think it's a setup. Lovely. But, uh, but so- I, I had a great time. Is that where you were? Born and raised in that Indianapolis. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I did you know magic on a couple of kids shows and did disc jockey stuff in Elwood, and um, but I knew early on that there was no show business life for me in Indiana. Yeah, and they right. sold Variety, the weekly Variety, down in, uh, next to a place called the Indiana Theater, and I would take the bus down every Saturday, get the new one, read it cover to cover a dozen times until the next Saturday when I would go down because I would read about the auditions for Broadway shows. Or there was wow. a place called Cedar Point in uh, Sandusky, Ohio. Yeah. And I figured if I could just audition and perform at a theme park for the summer, <laughs> that would be the co- – and I, I did it once. I went and I auditioned, and I got rejected. What? Yeah, they didn't, they didn't buy me. It's funny. I put something like, – oh, I was in Chicago recently doing – I tour, I do Prices Right Live. Yeah. And we were doing that, and I made a mention that um, 
Uh, I auditioned for Cedar Point, didn't get in, and somehow the uh, entertainment director mm-hmm. got in touch with me and said, "Well, there's a job available this summer if you'd like to come in and you know, do it," <laughs> of which course. I thought was cute. Want to tear tickets? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's where I started uh, when I got out here after I graduated uh, uh, from USC. Uh, of course, as you do with an acting degree, then you uh, become a tour guide at Universal yep. Studios yep. Hollywood <laughs> uh, because that's the natural progression to being an actor. Hey. But quite honestly. Um, it helps so much for stand-up purposes and for uh, any sort of hosting stuff um, just because, again, you're having to think on your feet and you're in front of uh, three, 400 people from all over. When people came to CBS and I was a page, none of the other pages wanted to give tours. I wanted to give every tour because I got to perform for 45 yeah. minutes in front of you know 100 strangers. I, I hope that people are listening to this podcast who are thinking to themselves, how do you get into the entertainment industry? What do you do? Because I'm listening to you tell these stories like, well, you just... Do it. Just you, do it. You, you get yourself into any job, any circumstance where, in your case, performing, hosting, talking, just to get the reps in, just so you're comfortable And with it. you have to be a pain in the ass, okay? <laughs> the word no, I don't even hear that. Like, my wife always goes, I don't understand how you just... I go, look, that guy... I had a, 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 a Jewish executive <laughs> at NBC, and by the way, I'm a Jew, yep. told me he would never hire me because I had a Jew nose, Okay. <laughs> And he said, until I got that Jew nose fixed, he would never put me on television, okay? And wow. here's my feeling. First of all... First of all, you have a great nose. Well, second of all, you're an asshole, okay? Yeah, yeah. And you'll be fired, and there'll be somebody else sitting there. And then, like six months later, the guy was... Joel Stein was the guy's name. Wow. Never yeah. forget that shit. Never forget you? that no. stuff, you know? And he's saying, you got a Jew nose. So, you know... Don't you wish you could have thrown some gack on him at that point? <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't been invented just yet. Yeah. Uh, oh. But, you know, you just keep moving forward. And, I, you know, that's the hardest part, because in show business, 92% of the time, the answer is no. Yeah. And you just got to move on and go okay well that guy didn't see the talent I'm, I'm gonna move on but I, I was more persistent than i was good and then i finally got good yeah mm-hmm. but you know Isn't i that was true for most uh, just starting out in any career i mean you get in i mean how many people like dave Chappelle? everyone says he was great at age 14 right but he really blew up um I'd, what, eight years ago when Chappelle show hit you know so it's like i would say if i would have gotten the audition for double dare when i first moved out i wouldn't mm-hmm. have gotten it because i wasn't ready yeah but mm-hmm. when i auditioned in you know 1986 I was ready. I had all the experience behind me. So timing is important, but half the time you don't know that half the fun is getting there as you're right. going through it. Yeah. As you're and it's struggling and, e- and eating ramen every night. Well, you're like, a lot of that, a lot of grilled cheese. And, you know, I got to tell you, I will tell the good you, years. Craft <laughs> ma- macaroni and cheese used to be 12 cents a box. And my wife and I used to buy like a dozen boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese mm-hmm. and get some hamburger. And we'd eat the same crap every night because that's all we could afford. She wow. was a dental assistant making 400 bucks a, uh, 400 bucks a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, doing whatever I could. Depending where I was working, yeah, and you could barely squeak by, but you know, and I didn't really start making good money. Well, you know, when I started doing warm ups, and I was, as they used to call me, the king of warm ups, um, I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year doing warm ups for a while. Yeah, but I was doing a lot of shows. Yeah. I was doing our magazine on, I think it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I was doing Alice Tuesday night at CBS. Um, I was doing What's Happening Now on Friday. I was doing Soap on Friday nights. And then on the weekends, I would do game shows, and Mondays would be my day off. But when I worked on soap, um, because they paid overtime and I was an after member, I would make over $1,000 a night doing that. That's great. Uh, and then Alice paid it's me a lot like, of mac and cheese. Yeah. It was a lot of mac and cheese. You know, and so, I started, so you start making six figures, yeah. asking people where they're from. Uh, <laughs> you know, but you're working on soap. I was working with Jay Johnson and, and Billy Crystal and John Biner, who were very helpful in these kinds of things. Yeah. He worked on other shows. I worked on the TV show Alice, and you know, other than Vic Tabak, everybody on that show was a pain in the ass and not <laughs> nice and wouldn't interact with you. And is that? I mean, you've worked on so many sets with so many different crews and stuff. But yeah. I mean, that really is essential to also a show being successful. Yeah, yeah like the. 
But don't I mean, camaraderie. Yeah. yeah, and don't be an asshole. But I mean, you know, it's like everybody, uh, Linda Levin and Polly Holiday didn't get along, and so Polly would say, read this uh, when you introduced me, and then Linda would say to me, come here, what did she ask you to say? And I'd say, don't say that, don't say that. So she like would try to piss her off. My favorite one, Brian Keith, I don't know if you know who he is, an actor, he used to do a show called Family Affair, and he was doing a pilot over 20th, and I was doing the warm-up, and I knocked on the door, and I said, excuse me, Mr. Keith, uh, I'm doing the warm-ups, what would you like me to say about you? And he said, if they don't know who I am by now, fuck them. And he <laughs> slammed the door in my face. I did, I did the warm-up on the pilot of the Cosby show. What? Yes. Get out. Yeah. Uh, at uh, 4151 Prospect. It was done at ABC here before they moved to New York. I was the warm-up guy. What, do you remember seeing that pilot just being like, this is going to... Oh, insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the producers, uh, uh, Marcy Carsey, and I forget the guy's name. He's one of the owners of the yeah, Red Yeah, Carsey... Uh, Warner, Tom yeah. Warner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were scared to knock on the door to go talk to Cosby. And I went, are you kidding? Mm-hmm. I knocked on the door. I said, hey, Bill, my name is Mark. I'm doing the warm-up. You know, what, what do you want me to say? But like everybody Good then Good to meet you. Just do pudding jokes. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but he was very nice. And, you know, mm-hmm. we did the thing and it obviously became, uh, you know, this massive hit. So yeah. I've been a part of some really interesting television. You produced uh, Wild and Crazy Kids. Yeah, when yeah. it came back the second time, Woody and I did that together. That's Absolutely. incredible. So, yeah. so you discovered Omar Gooding. <laughs> hey, don't forget Donnie Jeffcoat. Donnie Jeff- <laughs> Which, by the way, I—that's one. By the way, that's a name I just feel like has been ingrained in my mind because it sounds like such a host made up name, name yes. made up yeah. name. Yes, uh, it nice sounds kid. Like, sounds like a porn name. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like just a great name that you want to like. That so, sounds like the white bad guy in an. 80s movie there just it like ah oh, don't worry uh, the bully Donnie Jeffcoat's coming over yeah, here I sure. ran into him in an airport uh, you know now 15 years ago and I guess well, he did some acting and stuff yeah. I don't know what happened to most of those kids there weren't a lot of people you know Michael Malley uh, who is probably as good an actor as he is I think is a better writer producer he's sure. an amazing guy sure. very very talented uh, but there haven't been a lot of people who've well you know I guess there have been from uh um, some of the sitcoms and stuff. Uh, Clarissa, she did well. Yeah, right? most Joan Hart and the, yeah. some of the kids from uh, all, uh, all, all, that. All, all that went now, on. Yeah. I do want to get to the bottom of the, because uh, you know, I've done a handful of hosting stuff, but uh, nothing to the extent of what you've done. And I'm very curious about the audition process. Mm, and it's like, it. hated it. <laughs> but Nickelodeon, when you got with Double, I mean, that was, when did they come out as a network? Well, I used to. Because you guys helped really build them up uh, double dare put yeah. them on the map yeah um when my kids were little like babies um we used to uh do the midnight and two o'clock in the morning feedings to a horrible cartoon puppet show a puppet show called pinwheel and so that's how i discovered nickelodeon mm-hmm. right. um i didn't know much about it and as the story goes dave garrison who's a friend of mine and passed away last year um ventriloquist was the person who got the call to go audition for double dare um, he had decided that he wanted to be a producer and stop being on camera. So he called me up and said, there's this new network. It's called Nickelodeon. I don't know anything about it. They, they're doing a game show. Why don't you go instead of me? And I went instead of him and got the job. Wow. And so that was one of those another freaky things. They had auditioned 2,000 people in New York, didn't like anybody, came to L.A. I was the first guy to audition <laughs> and uh, got called back three times. And, and the way mm-hmm. it happened was uh, I knew they were going to start shooting in September. show was going on October 6th. And I always, the one thing I did when I auditioned was I'd get the name of the casting director and the exec producer. Always got their name, wrote it down. And so I didn't, after the third phone call, didn't hear anything about it. And this was like mid August. Mm-hmm. And I called Mike Klinghoffer at Nickelodeon Studios in New York. And I said, Hi, uh, Mike, it's Mark Summers. And he said, What can I do for you? And I said, Well, uh, have you guys chosen a host? And he goes, No, we're having problems. And I said, What's the problem? He said, We're trying to find out 
who's good with kids because when they auditioned us they had adults play the part of kids right. and I said well hell I used to do magic shows and I was really good with kids and I was trying to sell myself as to why mm-hmm. they should hire me and he goes no that's not good enough and I said well why don't you fly me and whoever the other guy is to New York put us in a studio with kids and let the best man win <laughs> and he said Bring it on. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Call me back half hour later and said, what are you doing over uh, Labor Day weekend? I said, flying to New York. York? (laughs) He said, yes. So they flew us both to New York. And to this day, I don't know who the other guy was. And I... Mario uh, Lopez. (laughs) Yes. He was too young. Rest in peace, his double dare career. (laughs) And um, I went in and auditioned. This other guy auditioned. And the next Mm -hmm. day, I got a phone call and I got the job. And I said, Mike, after 2,000 people in New York and 1,000 people in L.A. and three callbacks and this audition, tell me why I got the job. And he said... Mm -hmm. At the end of his audition, he looked at the camera and said, do you guys want me to do anything else? And at the end of the audition, I said, we'll be back with more Double Dare after this. And because I threw it to commercial, they thought that was more professional and it changed my life. <laughs> Holy <laughs> God. But you know what? I always watch game shows and yeah. I always knew then and you threw it to commercial. Yeah. I mean, hell, uh, 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 that's where some of the catchphrases come in. Like, we'll see you in two and two. Two and two and all that stuff. Yeah. So I threw it to commercial back with more Double Dare right after this. I got the job. Holy <laughs> shit. It changed my life. No kidding. It, it, it's amazing when you break it down. What little tiny things that set you apart set, set you apart from the other guy. But it's the experience that got me. There. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would have at twenty two not known to do that. Probably, yeah, right. maybe I would have. But you'd have been like, guys, want to see a bird disappear out of a hat? Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. something like that. You know, I anybody any craft mac and cheese? Yeah. Right. I mean, and so the fact that I threw the commercial because that was the smart thing. I just I was channeling Bob Barker, you yeah. Know? And you said you were when you were a page at CBS, mm-hmm. uh, and you had some conversations with him. Mm-hmm. Did he? I mean, give you because he knew you were an aspiring host. Did he give you any sort of? Uh... You know who was uh, the biggest mentor to me back then was a guy by the name of Bert Convey. Uh, Bert was doing a show called Tattletales, and I was a head page on it. And I used to sit in the dressing room uh, when he was getting made up, and just. Pick his brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had been a page at CBS, and there was a guy by the name of Art Linkletter who did a show called House Party. Yeah. Yep. And he used to bring on um, um, Kurt, uh, Bert Convy as the singing page because Bert was a singer. <laughs> and, um, and Bert was very kind and offered as much help as he possibly could. That's fantastic. So, you know, it's but interesting. As, as much help as people want to throw you for Double Dare, that's such a new idea for a show that like you're really kind of having to I mean fit, cause, w- w- did they have the structure of the show kind of, when they sit you down and go Kinda. hey kids are going to mm-hmm. kind of but nobody who was working on the show had ever done a game show I was the only one who had any game show experience oh, and right. keep in mind uh, I grew up just obsessing about game shows and there was a show called Beat the Clock which yeah. was a stunt show yeah. and I kind of thought this had elements of that but mm-hmm. um, the questions and, and the mess were something a little bit you know different <laughs> And so it was, you know, look, you can't recreate, and you can't even try to make that happen. Whatever was going on there between Klinghoffer and Dana Calderwood and our writer, uh, Alan Silverberg, and myself and Robin and Dave, it just worked. It was kismet. It was synergy. It was something. And we all just, look, we couldn't believe that they were paying us (laughs) to throw these green liquids at 11-year-olds. Kids lost lost their minds, by the way. I remember watching the show. I went as crazy as the kids did in the studio audience. And I was like, I feel like... Double dare kids in a double dare audience is I feel like um, almost uh, entirely reminiscent of an audience at an Oprah Winfrey taping oh, yeah. in the mid nineties. Oh yeah, yeah. like when Oprah on her on, on her favorite things yes. episode. Yeah, that oh, was no, I, every episode. Of yeah, Double-Dare. I would agree, and and that was the cool thing about it. You know, people couldn't wait to be there, and that energy sort of bled over in 
to uh, you know the studio audience and the audience at home. And you had to test the stunts. I heard. With, <laughs> oh yeah, right. Because well. like, how do you figure out what's difficult? You know for the a story, kid? obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't walk me into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we used to test these things, mm-hmm. and they were the most obscene things we had ever. I mean, everything became a dick joke or <laughs> something. It was ever filthy. somebody pulling a flag out of a urethra. Oh, yeah. Close, close. Because <laughs> well, we would make it look like that, and uh-huh. so yeah. we all laughed our asses off. Yeah. And and what happened was. Um, Master Control started to videotape these rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Now, if this was today, TMZ and YouTube, we'd be all over them. Oh, yeah. Thank God there was no social media back oh, then, because I wouldn't be here today. I'd probably be in jail. And <laughs> well, we'd still have you on the podcast. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. And so um, this guy, Ken, I remember he uh, was a videotape guy, somehow was uh, taking these tapes and sending them throughout the building. And I get a phone call from Jerry Laybourne, and president of New York, and she goes, what in the hell's going on down there? I said, what do you mean? She says, these rehearsals are everywhere. You guys got to stop doing that stuff. Kids so, are winning wow. bikes by pulling flags out of dicks. What's going on with that? <laughs> it was the stuff. But think about it. It was a bunch of grown-ups. Yeah, sure. We never, I never wanted to do a kid's show, but I got an offer to host a show, and I was going to do it. Yeah, yeah you're you know. turn down work. Oh, exactly. And so, I mean, listen, we had the best freaking time ever. Yes, the, sure. So the obstacle course was always, um, I mean, that you. I feel like you start with that, because you're like, we have to have the grand finale yeah. Right. And uh, but then all the little things of, of squirting blue juice into a, a bucket on somebody's head. And is that just all <laughs> just all icing on the cake? You know, mm-hmm. well, we had it and the, and the staff and the crew. Keep in mind that the crew, a lot of them, let's say, uh, uh, participated in extracurricular activities in the drug world. And, <laughs> sure. and uh, really, really to think about sliding down a giant mouth, you have to be somewhat intoxicated <laughs> yeah. or well, inebriated. Of I some think kind? more things than that was going on. But um, <laughs> You know, GAC was the street term for heroin, and so that's where that term came from. Get out. Yeah, what? and Nickelodeon didn't even know it. They went, oh, it's a funny name, GAC, and they, were, they put crap. it out, and they go, hey, guys, I don't know if you know this, but that's a street term for heroin. So, I mean, we're was, seeing our ratings spike yes. in certain areas. <laughs> and and that kind of stuff that, that went on all the time. Oh and we had a cameraman. Um, his uh, what was it? last name was Farnese. I know his son, Greg. Um, but he was funny as hell. And years ago, he used to host a kitchen in... in Philadelphia. I never told the story, and and uh, the question was, how many states begin with the letter F? Mm-hmm. And the answer was uh, one, Florida. Yeah, right. And and uh, he said to me, "Come here." And he goes, "Mark, they all do." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Fucking Indiana, fucking Ohio." <laughs> <laughs> so that was the crew. Yeah. And they were his, hyster- you know. So awesome. you were laughing all yeah. the time. Sure. You know, we're doing a kid show. Yeah. yeah. And the cameraman's going, you know. <laughs> it was hysterical. Were there any some? Were there ever just some kids that literally? I mean, where you're like, because you pick these kids. I'm, I'm guessing it random, right? Because they all. Oh no, no. We had a full contestant okay. uh, uh, department, and they would mm-hmm. go to schools throughout uh, Jersey. <laughs> Pennsylvania, down through D.C. and up to New wow, York, okay. and test kids. You know, no kidding. Yeah, so it was a, it was a full time job. Yeah, you had tough. to know something, and then you had to know something. Had yeah. to have a, an ounce of personality yeah. at least. Yeah. You know, but I mean, did you have any families that maybe tested well, or or and then once they got there, were just pains Choked? in the asses? Oh yeah, it happened all the time. Oh, okay. Especially when we started giving away like cars and stuff, because the father would want the car, the kid would miss obstacle number seven, and we'd have to separate the kids from the parents because the father was going to kill the kid because oh, he missed the flag. So you had like, so you had like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, soccer moms like insane soccer moms or like yeah. pageant parents yeah. Oh. yeah and then we started doing celebrity stuff you know we mm-hmm. had uh, uh, the weirdest show was we had Lou Ferrigno <laughs> I'm, I'm weird, in already. Weird Al Yankovic. You, you had Lou Ferrigno you know, against and, Weird Al? Yeah in fact Ferrigno used to call me and go Mark do you know who it is? <laughs> this is like, this I have a feeling. He used to tell me I need. I was in bad shape, and he used to try to sell me uh, equipment but um, <laughs> but Ferrigno uh, uh, um, Weird Al Answered every question 
And it was into, I couldn't get him to go a physical challenge. It was oh. the most obscure stuff. Yeah. And I remember on the air, I said, how do you know the answer to all these? And he said, hey, man, it's my gig. I remember that was his line. <laughs> yeah. He was amazing. He, yeah, he's, he's the nicest guy. He's very, yeah, he seems like very, very intelligent. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I always yeah. seemed so overly impressed by your ability to articulate so many rules and so many details of the no, challenges. I'm question if you know the answer and think the other team doesn't have a clue. That uh, yeah, all that, but then... Dare you can answer s- for double the dollars, but if you can't, you have to take... Yeah, I, 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 I Is that, I mean, as, uh, that's just, I mean, that's, that's muscle memory, it's, right? I mean, but, right also, but also the setting up the physical challenges. Because oh, like, you know, here's the deal on physical challenges. Yeah. You had to do it in 15 seconds or less because the kid's attention span is a nanosecond. Yeah, so right. I say, you stand over there and say, here's what you got to do. You got to take the ping pong ball. If you get three in the bucket, first person gets that 20 points and control around, good luck on your market set, go. I mean, I mean, you had to be. Able I didn't to know do how that. Red Bull wasn't sponsoring you because <laughs> the fact, I was like, he's got to be on something to get all that info out. Like that, it was just that was it. It's called cocaine, Adam. Anyway, yeah. moving on. And we had Jim J. Bullock host a show where Harvey and I were contestants. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he thought he had to talk fast. And I said, Jim, just do your thing. Don't know, but he kept trying to emulate me, which made right. no sense whatsoever. No. I. I don't know why I talked faster, why I did whatever I did, but that cadence worked and it kept the energy mm-hmm. going. I was just going to say, stuff. the energy, it was huge because you can't, set, the stakes were higher yes. when you were moving that fast. Oh, you had to. Um, and, and the object is you wanted to get two physical challenges in before the first commercial break, if you could, at least one. Oh, really? Okay. And then you had to do two after the commercial break. And then think about the obstacles. I had to, you know, here's what you got to do. You have to go around the one ton hamster wheel. The flag will come down. You'll grab it. And if you'll win this, tell them, Harvey, you know. And yeah. you had to keep uh, it Casio going. Casio like keyboard. That's right. Always that's a Casio keyboard. That's it. That's a trip to space camp yeah what if it was just like a dog with one leg you know the kids are like the fuck what a bowl of beefaroni i certainly want that i don't know that sounds great it was just fun and you know it just became what it became and and there was nobody telling me what to do it's just a rhythm if you go back and look at the first 65 it was pretty awful and i watched those shows religiously now keep in mind here's what we would do we yeah. would tape five shows wow. we would then go back to my room and mm-hmm. watch all Five study shows, the game tape. study the show yeah. have dinner go to the studio the next day and we that was our routine every freaking day wow. we studied we did this take time out here you know you should have done this and our director sat there our producer sat there I sat there and we studied those shows thank okay, you for every putting that time no kidding it made a huge making the effort to where it would be so easy to say well we're a kid show kids will watch anything like it regardless we Let's never phoned on. it in we never yeah. phoned it and then we got up to do we were doing sometimes six or seven shows a day no. we got wow. that we would shoot three upfront games three obstacle courses go to lunch do three upfronts do three obstacle mark that courses. seems insane it was yeah it, it was and so but i knew those shows inside and out and i knew i got into a habit of saying all right uh, mm-hmm. And so that I wanted to stop saying all right. So I learned it by watching the show. It was filler, which you didn't need to have. It's like saying the word like today. Sure, right. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't serve any purpose. Don't do it. And so the only way you realize that is if you watch the darn thing over and over. And it's then, like with a comedian yeah. uh, you know, doing a set and then listening to the... Uh, Every time. Yeah. yeah and, then, and then you watch yourself. You start getting annoyed. Like, why the hell am I saying all right yes. so much? Yes. Yeah, and, and, then, and then you go back and fix it. Did you think Drunk Double Dare would ever take form? Oh, uh, listen, <laughs> we have the most fun. Unfortunately, we're not doing it this year. But what? Uh, I can't do it this year because Beer Week in Philadelphia, we do this thing called <laughs> Dunkle Dare. It's Drunk Double yeah, Dare. Yeah, Nothing yeah, is yeah. better. <laughs> and I've done it three years in a row. And this year during Beer, beer Week, uh, my dear friend Bobby Flay is getting his uh, star on the Walk of Fame. And oh. he has asked me to come and be a part of that. And it, it's during the same week. And then I have another thing I have to do in L.A. So I sadly had to say no to Drunk um, Double Dare this year. Well, I mean, when there. Bobby Flay comes a-calling. <clears throat> well, you say it. sadly. I mean, I can't imagine it's it's just the most fun ever. Yeah. Oh, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, it's you can't even imagine because it's people your age who grew up watching the show. 
and all they want to do is get messy. And yeah. they walk out of there shit-faced and full of green liquids. It's just insane. <laughs> and it's got to be fun to do the same show that's just so in you, but like to do it completely different. And yeah. With, yeah. Uh, well, there's a if you go online, there's a thing where I tell the audience to Well, we've, we've actually got it, and we've got to play it, because I watched it the other day. If the other team doesn't have a clue, you can dare them to answer for double the points, but be careful, because they can always double-dare you back for four times the amount. Then you either have to answer that question or do what, Harvey? Oh, that would be take the physical challenge. That is correct. All right. What a celebrity. People do lost it. Do not shout out any answers. Do not shout out any answers. We're going to play round I one. I told him, yeah. Questions. Then we're going to take about a 15-minute break, do some pictures. Because there's a big crowd there, right? Massive. And it's outdoors. There's a lot of distractions. Then we're going to play our bonus round and find out who the winner is. People stand in line for hours. Question number one. What is the oldest continually operating brewery in the United States, and where is it? Shh. Shut the fuck up. And the, and the crowd goes wild yes. because it's what I always thought about when I was doing the show. I did a thing when New York at, at a place called Joe's Pub. It was it was a, uh, a night where it was it was the filthiest night of show business ever, and they reran an obstacle course, and I did the play by play as to what I was really thinking. <laughs> <laughs> when this like was mystery science theater, yes, but with double day. Yes, it's That's like awesome. you know, Jesus, we told you how to do that. Get your fat ass up, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And the crowd goes, you know, because there's something unique about watching your childhood hero say the word "fuck." Of course, <laughs> yes, there absolutely is. I mean, you're talking about why Saget's, you know, found yes. a new uh, level of popularity, and it just cracks me up every year. And then never gets old for some reason. People love it, so I mm-hmm. don't know. I just look. If you guys want to keep coming to this stuff, I'll keep doing None it. Sure, why not? Uh, has um. You're involved. So after Double Dare, kind of, I don't know, just kind of. Um, I quit. Really? Yep. I quit. Was, um, was there any particular reason? Well, yeah. Um, here was the deal. I started the show. I was 34. All of a mm-hmm. sudden, I'm in my early 40s, and you know, I'm still throwing green liquids at 11 year olds. Mm-hmm. At the same time, outside of the studio, outside yeah. of the studio, <laughs> we toured. We did 40 personal appearances a year for eight years. We would wow. sell out the Palace of Ormond Hills, 16,000 people what? on a weekend. Yeah, I was a rock star for kids. No We'd sell kidding. out. Yeah, we played. Uh, you know, you were the Wiggles before the Wiggles. I was. I was Barney <laughs> before Barney, and it, w- it was insane. And and so I was uh, living in New York. With a house in L.A., my family was here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing a talk show on Lifetime called Biggers and Summers. First it was called Our Home, then it was Biggers and Summers. And then on the weekends, I would go out and do these personal appearances. And my son, who must have been, I'm trying to think when this was, 96, so he was like 13, 14. Yeah. He, was, he came to me and said, Dad, how come every weekend you're with somebody else's kids, but you're never with us? Oh, oh man. I quit. The next day I went to Jerry Laybourne and said, yeah. I'm done. Because um, yeah. how do you? I mean that that's when it all hits you. Like I'm missing my son. I'm missing. Up. I was having the best time of my life, but, yeah. but my son was trying to figure out why I was signing autographs. We went to Disneyland once, and we got stopped by you know hundred kids who wanted to take pictures and, and sure. photographs. And my daughter, I remember, said, "When Dad gets done, we'll go to the next ride." And Matthew was frustrated, and I understood it. It's, it, it's weird to grow up with a father who's sort of in the public eye. Yeah, who's sort of a father to all these other kids. It was time. Yeah, I had done it for eight years. Sure. Um, we had done everything I wanted to do. I was start. Yeah, I was afraid I was going to get typecast as a kid show host, and so it was just the right time to to move on. How mm-hmm. soon after that did Food Network come a knocking? Um, well, it was uh, about three years after that. Yeah. I did um, Lifetime for a couple years, yeah. and then I went in to pitch <clears throat> another person, Roseanne Gold, on a show. And while they were there, they weren't interested in Roseanne's show. They were more interested in getting me involved on the network. Okay. Um, 
because somebody who was an executive at Food Network at the time had been a Food Network or been a, a Nickelodeon exec yeah. and knew I had some sort of following. And next thing I knew, I was doing a show called It's a Surprise. Uh, it was a show about surprise parties. Surprise was nobody was watching. But, uh, <laughs> but then they, were, they had piloted or done a couple of specials with a show called Unwrapped, and they mm-hmm. showed it to me, and they said, what do you think? And I said at the time, uh, Biography was the number one show on A&E, and I said, I think what Biography is for A&E, Unwrapped could, be. could become. Yeah. And that's what happened. And, and so, that's uh, a, it's a fascinating show, and, it, and it's something it, – it, it, it's a topic you don't realize you're interested in until <laughs> – Until you see it. You know it. what I mean? Yeah, because, I mean, I remember one time uh, I was up in Sacramento doing a show. And they have the Jelly Belly Jelly Bean Factory. That's right. right I know exactly where it is. Yeah, in uh, Fairfield, California. Yep. And I went there, and I was fascinated yep. by how they created jelly beans. Yes, well, especially that place. I mean, they do it sure. right in all the different flavors and all that stuff. Right. Well, and Brad's great-grandparents used to make jelly beans. Well, obviously. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Chocolate making is in my God, blood. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> um, and, and, and so I've been lucky enough to put, basically, you know, I put Nickelodeon on the map with uh, Double Dare, and mm-hmm. it was Emerald who started it and myself at the time believe it or not unwrapped for many years was the number one show on food network i was guy fietti before guy fietti was there yeah and you know so i've been fortunate enough to have two major shows on two major networks and put them on the map so which is pretty darn cool now in know? that i'm very curious in that downtime when you when your son comes to you and says that and you quit double dare mm-hmm. are you even thinking of wanting to i mean you're not thinking you're going to be done working no but, but how much time are you like all right i'm just i'm going to be dad now before i jump back on the saddle and well, look, you still got to work. You got to pay the bills. Yeah, sure. uh, and and people have this false impression that I'm very wealthy. I'm not. I've always basically worked in cable television, so I've never made a lot of money. But it sounds like the Food Network thing came to you. You weren't seek, You weren't like I trying. wasn't seeking it out, yeah. and that's often how things happen. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, it just it just evolves, and you have to you know play that role in that game, and mm-hmm. you know take it as it comes. Because a lot of times, when you go after stuff, it doesn't happen, and then out of nowhere, a phone call happens. And uh, I always wanted to host a talk show, uh, and so we had just moved into a new house here in L.A., and then I get this phone call from uh, Lifetime saying, "Do you want to host a talk show?" And literally, we're emptying boxes into this new house, and I looked at my wife, and she said, "Just go do it." I know that's what you always wanted, so I commuted. I was in New York four days a week and L.A. three days a week. Wow! Um, for two years doing the talk show. Now, what kind it, of things would you cover on the talk show? Well. We started off when when the home show went off. Yeah, they did research and found out that there was still an audience. So I did a show called Our Home, where we did you know uh, cooking and home repairs and stuff like that. Really not in my element, but I mm-hmm. had been on uh, the, the previous show. And then I filled in. There was a show called uh, Live from Queens with a lady by the name of Sissy Biggers, and we just hit it off. And they fired the other person, and they changed the show to Biggers and Summers. And for the next year, we hosted that. So basically, what I'm learning is that you, you, Mark Summers, get people fired. Yeah, a lot of times. <laughs> you know why? I, I tell didn't you, know to compete you, against you. For, I will yeah. give you the best advice ever: <clears throat> never get sick and not show up to a job, because yeah. there will be somebody there who's going to take your job. And I, and I've gotten so many jobs by filling in mm-hmm. uh, at the last minute because they look and see. There was another show. I, I when I uh, when Biggers and Summers got. Uh, canceled. I moved back to Los Angeles and I didn't have a job. They still owed me money. I actually got paid for the next six months for not working, which is always one of my favorite gigs. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> and um, there was a show called Great Day America on some really tiny cable network. Mm-hmm. And it's now Ion and it was called something else before that. Um, and a guy by the name of Michael Young, who I knew for years, uh, did a show called Kids Are People 2 on ABC, was the host and the exec producer. And um, he couldn't be there for a week, and I filled in. And the network called 
and had Michael removed from the show, and I became the host on that show. <laughs> so it's happened numerous times. I mean, there's a guy who owned the show, was the host yeah. of it, and the producer, and they asked him to step down because they thought, you know. And it was very nice that when I just filled in on Home and Family, and by the way, Mark Steinis is a great host, uh, after I did a week, they now said, every time Mark's not here, do you want to fill in? And uh, and the answer is yes, because I, I, you know, I'm not looking for a full-time job right yeah. now, quite honestly. Yeah, sure. I'm concentrating on this you know, one-man show, and a few other things I'm exec producing three shows right now we're doing yeah, restaurant like, yeah restaurant impossible yeah. on mm-hmm. food network so good. Um, i'm doing a show uh a shark special for uh discovery that we shot in havana cuba Whoa. Uh, that we what just, was that like oh my god that was the coolest thing ever. did you go on did you go into the cage and swim like i'm a jew <laughs> <laughs> really we hire people please to do yes please tell me that little exchange of dialogue is the opening to the whole series <laughs> yeah. Mark, are you going in? I'm a Jew. This week on Shark Summers. No, I did all the above water stuff. Didn't care to go in those sharks, you know. I mean, isn't the list of famous Jewish explorers? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Smallest books in the world, right? <laughs> really and so, uh, we have, And we have a new show going on the True uh, Network called Six Degrees of Everything that I'm doing with the Fine Brothers. Who I have uh, a friend of mine who's actually uh, writing on that show with you. Who's that? Uh, Dan- uh, Danny Fernandez. Danny. Yeah. 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 There you go, man. Funny guy. That's fantastic. So uh, yeah, so I've got three shows that I'm exec producing. So you can't stay. You can't stay not working. I mean, just mm-hmm. having your. Hands I wouldn't know dipped. what to, my wife would love me to stop doing something, but I, you wouldn't be you though. I couldn't. What would I do? I don't have hobbies. I what would you do? Golf. Yeah, that's what a question. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was uh, there was one more thing that I personally wanted to bring up with you because uh, my dad uh, has OCD. Oh, and uh, usually it's handed down. Oh, uh oh. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, his whole thing is, uh, and you famously uh, uh, went on Dateline. You went on Oprah, and mm-hmm. you talked you know, about your struggles show, OCD. Yeah. yeah, just like you did with yeah. your shows. I feel like you kind of you put that uh, on the map as well. You, yeah, yeah. I was a national spokesman for three years. How did you did you feel a, a responsibility to do that, or did you just? It was the right thing to do. It screwed up my career. It put me out of the business for a couple of years. In fact, the way the Food Network thing. Um, uh, actually came to happen with um, me actually getting the job was calling uh, Judy Gerard, who was the uh, head of programming, and, and saying, since you fired me from um, the Food Network, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, from uh, Lifetime, I haven't been able to work because of this uh, cloud around me uh, with OCD. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, I will pay you to get me back on television. And that's kind of what happened. Wow. Um, and so um, it, it, there's many stories in the Naked City as to how you get from point A to point B. Yeah. But to this day, when somebody walks up to me and says, you changed my life because I didn't know what I had, right. that's good. Mm-hmm. But I was supposed to be the host of Hollywood Squares, yeah. the Tom Bergeron version, right. and got fired from that show because they spread rumors that I was impossible to work with because of my OCD. So there's the, you know. But then nothing could be further from the truth if you look at, like, yes, you had OCD, but then you hosted Double Dare, yeah, which, right. is the, which is the messiest damn show on and in the history of the world. There's so many bullshit lies on the internet about how I yeah. hated every minute of it, and, yeah. and, all, and then I, you know, none of that is true. I had the best time. There was never a problem. Yeah. I enjoyed every moment of it and all that stuff. So the whole OCD thing has gotten blown out of proportion. Sure. It still affects my life, I will tell you that. I right. don't think you're ever cured. I no. always say I'm like, you know, 82% cured. Um, you know, I have trouble reading things over and over again. I don't like going into supermarkets because I get stuck on an aisle having to read packages and stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of know how to deal with it better now. But it's one of yeah. those... It has to do with serotonin in the brain, and you live and, with it. And yeah. uh, like my dad's, like it kind of like Tourette's. There's different sort of ty- the uh, types of OCD. Uh, there's there's a t- 
ticks to it. Yep. Like my dad's whole thing is the fridge. Mm-hmm. Like the fridge has to be a certain way. And, mm-hmm. to, and, to, and, to, and to this day, if you give me a jar of mayonnaise, I know exactly where, where to put it in the fridge. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I didn't want to, you know, have a fight that night. So, uh, but in, I watched the Dateline special with you and the thing that people have to remember, and you pointed out so well there, is that OCD people know what they're doing is insane. Oh, yeah. They oh, are completely aware of it. Oh, yeah. And then they, you can't still stop can't stop it. No. It's, that's amazing for me. One of the best interviews I ever did, I did an hour with Howard Stern. Oh, my God. Uh, talking about OCD. Yeah. It was, it was fascinating because he kept saying he didn't have it when indeed he does have it. Yeah, right. Um, and probably the smartest broadcaster ever. I think he's so, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. He's, brilliant, uh, brilliant. My buddy turned me on to him about eight years ago, and it's uh, changed. I mean, especially doing this podcast, like I... The, the same way you uh, you know watch these guys uh, growing up to like learn from it's like that's you can't learn from a better person as far as interviewing. Well, the mm-hmm. thing is fascinating was you guys know who Steve Allen is, right? Yes. Yeah. So Steve Allen was the original host of the Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. As he got older, he became this curmudgeonly, uh, God bless America, let's get rid of sex and violence kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So he had created a VCR. God help us. Um, that <laughs> took the smut out of programming. Now, I don't know how the hell this thing worked. but So I'm filling in. I had a period of time where I was out of work, and I got called. This is another interesting story. This is weird. You, you guys found a pattern here. I had a book called Everything in Its Place, and I was going around promoting it. Mm-hmm. And I was up in Seattle, Washington. My um, hometown. Really? Yeah. Great place. You love it? So I was on Como. K-O-M-O. Yeah, of course. And, Did you meet uh, Steve Poole, our weatherman? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrity. We were just talking about weathermen celebrities the other day. and He's he was massive. He yeah. was the Tom Hanks of weather. Yes. Yeah. David Letterman of weather. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Mark Summers of weather. <laughs> yeah. And so I was up there and being interviewed about my book. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, the general manager comes out and says, can I talk to you for a minute? I went, sure. So he took me to his office. He closed the door. I said, I've been in broadcasting long enough to know that when you're called in the general manager's office uh, and they close the door, you're going to fire you, but I don't work for you. So what do you want? Yeah. And he said, the guy's show you were just on, that guy just got fired. Do you want his show? <laughs> and I said... Well, what makes you think I can do drive time radio? He said, I could just tell you know what you're doing. I said, mm-hmm. well, I don't have a job right now. I'm promoting this book. I said, I got to think about that. Yeah. yeah. So I went home and talked to my wife about it. And I said, you know, it's Seattle. I don't know. So I called the guy up and I said, let me do a week and mm-hmm. see if I'm any good at it. And if I'm good at it, then let's have a conversation. Well, I flew back up there. And by Wednesday, they offered me a full-time job doing drive time on Como. So, uh, so let me finish the story. So yeah. they offered me the job. First they said I didn't have to be in Seattle every day. They said I could split it up. I could be in L.A. like four days a week and then Seattle one, and then it became uh, three and two, and then more time up there. And then I said, well, if I get an opportunity to do a TV show, can I keep the radio show and still do the TV show? And then they said no, and I said, okay, I'm not taking the gig. So I walked oh. away from it. But oh. one of the people that I interviewed that week was Steve Allen because he was talking about this VCR that uh, <laughs> took smut out of TV. Yeah. yeah. So at the time, he had come out and on a rant about how much he hated Howard Stern. Okay. So I got him on the air, because he'd go to the opening of an envelope, and if some DJ calls him in <laughs> Seattle and yeah. says, I want you on, he'd go, of course. Yeah. So, you know, Mr. Allen, I'm a big fan, and, you know, grew up watching you on all these shows, all this kind of stuff. I said, I just got to ask you a question before we get in about your VCR. What's that? Um, I understand that you don't like Howard Stern. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, tell me what Howard Stern does for a living. And I said, I think he's one of the best broadcasters ever. And he goes, really? He's not funny. He's not entertaining. And he's filthy. 
And I said, well, that's your opinion, sir. But I said, this is funny coming from a man who introduced Lenny Bruce to America. He hung up on me. <laughs> oh. I would take that as a feather in your cap. Oh, I yeah. was I was so proud of it. Oh, yeah. Because I called him on it. Yeah. Because Lenny Bruce at the time was the filthiest comedian. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. and, and, and Steve Allen introduced him on the Steve Allen show. Mm-hmm. I, on your show. Yeah, that's and so, a bigger endorsement. And so fast forward the tape 40 years, I called him out on it, and he didn't like that. And he said, I got to go and hung up. So <laughs> I'm amazing. probably most proud of that moment of anything I've ever done in show business. A uh, little bummed that you didn't stay up to Seattle and be integrated into my childhood uh, <laughs> earlier than Double Dare. I could have been, I could have been, a, I would have been a fan of Double Dare in the time, and everyone would have been like, You love Double Dare. I'd be like, But you don't know, man. I knew Mark Summers before <laughs> Double Dare. Drive time Seattle. I loved radio, by the way. I love radio because it's spontaneous. Sure. I would go there, that show, we would air from three to seven, I think. We were doing Drive Time. And I would get in the studio at 9 o'clock in the morning with no show, and I was there with the producer, and we'd read the newspaper, and we'd book uh, people on the show that morning. And wow. it was so much fun I gotta every be, day. Yeah, I got to be honest. I feel—I mean, you have every market uh, cornered here in this uh, business, but I feel like that, I mean, maybe, and you're so natural on, like, on, on these forums and like hearing you on Eliza's and just other interviews, I feel like that's the next move for you, fun. maybe. Well, Sajak, you know, Sajak bought uh, a couple of radio stations out in Maryland where he lives. Pat and I have become very good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he's a huge fan of Restaurant Impossible. And a few awesome. weeks ago, uh, he actually came and spent two days with us in the middle of a shoot. Because um, he, he said, nothing could be further than what I do. You know, I go in and do five shows in a day and go home, and it's all structured. We know what we're doing. Yeah. And he saw what we do, which is we have no idea what the hell we're doing. We have a, <laughs> a, a restaurant owner who needs help, and Robert Irvine comes in, and God help you trying to tell Robert to do anything. He does whatever the hell he wants. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, Sajak's head was spinning. He couldn't believe. How is Sajak, uh, what you see is what you get He's on TV. He's nice, and yeah. by the way, mm-hmm. Maybe one of the funniest humans. What? On the planet. Pat Sajak? Oh my God! You guys have no idea. No, he is beyond hysterical. What? He has the best sense of humor. Dry sarcasm. Well, watch us mm-hmm. on. We have Twitter battles every now and then. <laughs> go on Twitter. I, my head just exploded. And watch. We did it the other night. You go on and watch what Sajak and I do on Twitter. Where you just make fun of Trebek, or what do you guys do? <laughs> yeah, we make fun of each other. That's incredible. Um, but yeah, and people go, "Oh my God, uh, Mark Summers and uh, Pat Sajak are on Twitter now, screaming at each other." You know, yeah. we just laugh. Do all the hosts? Do you have like a host? Like, is it you, Woolry, Trebek, Sajak? Mm-hmm. I wish, Barker? but not. Some no. of those, most of those people, uh, shall we say, aren't as nice as you would like to think they. Um, you know, Pat and I are friends. He, I live in Philly a lot of time. He's got a daughter who goes to school at Princeton. He called me up, said, let's go have dinner. We had dinner. I yeah. invite him. So uh, we talk, we Twitter, we email, we text, we, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I've known Barker for years. You know, he's like 90 years old, and yeah. uh, he is who he is. You know, Willery, I, we all know each other. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of like the fraternity stand-up comics where if, if someone walks up to me and says, hey, my name's so-and-so, I'm a stand-up comic, I immediately have that in yeah, common a bond. with them. And we could talk about things. Yes. And I would have a feeling it's the same way with hosts. Kind of. Where- you know, some are, not, you know, like I can tell you mm-hmm. stories of Barker where they wanted to do a... A TV guide cover with other game show hosts, and he refused to do it, you know, because he said, I'll do my own cover, but I won't do it with other sure. people, you know. Yeah, that and says he, a lot. Well, and he has, you know, on, on his shirts, he had embroidered WGM, world's greatest, WGMC, world's greatest MC. That's what it said on his. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah, I mean, you know, really, Bob, stop it. Not even it. Superman put that on his cape. <laughs> no, you know, so Bob had a little ego that wouldn't fit in the room. Good sure. for him, you know, he's a very talented man, but please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but guess what? Oprah gave away just as many cars, Bob. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's not and bragging. I did yeah. that show a couple of times, and you know that was amazing. When you're sitting there with Oprah, and you go, "What in the?" Heck? You know, I. It's <laughs> yeah. so funny. I did the Tonight Show with Leno. I did Oprah. 
Um, I did Howard Stern. But the most frightening thing I ever did was throw out a first pitch at Fenway Park. What? Okay? That was like, oh, my God. I better get this thing across the plate. I'm oh, sure. Because you've to... seen the horror videos. Oh, right. Did seen... you see 50 Cent not too long oh, ago? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. You would think that. And you, know... and you, and you know that, uh, like, as a celebrity, you know that yours if you messed it up uh, like because like sometimes they have someone comes out and it's like he represents the PTA he's yes. the president of the PTA okay well if, if, if he grounds it then no one gives a shit no. but if Mark Summers th- doesn't get it to the plate you know that that's yeah. going to be a viral I video so yeah. I would pr- I practice for three months I would go <laughs> I do everything I do I do obsessively yeah. and so I would stand uh, I would find a professional major league mound mm-hmm. and just throw 25 balls a day, okay? And the morning of that thing, I got up and went to Brookline, Massachusetts, and found a field, and I couldn't have anybody catch it. So I I went and bought like 20 balls, Mm -hmm. threw 20 balls, got them, threw 20 balls, got them, threw 20 balls, got them. I was supposed to be at the stadium at 5 o'clock. I got there like 2 in the afternoon. (laughs) And uh, I asked if I could warm up. Yeah. And I went to the game the night before and asked if I could just go out to the mound uh, just to see what they said. No way, no. So I get there at 2 o'clock, and I said, can I warm up? And they said, well, uh, with one of the ball girls. I went, oh, great. So (laughs) I start throwing the ball. This girl, I had to tell her to slow down. She threw the ball so freaking hard. She was (laughs) killing my... And then, so they they said, uh, run out, uh, or uh, take your time walking out to the mound because we have a lot of things we want to say. And I said, no, I'm going to run out there because when are you going to be on the pitcher's mound at Fenway Park, yeah. and your picture's behind there, and the crowd's right. going crazy, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, thank God I got it across the plate. Oh, but, uh, you know, yeah. That's, I mean, I, I totally, I mean, especially if you're a sports fan, but also just mm-hmm. knowing the backlash that could come from well, making yeah. a bad pitch. Yeah. Uh, and, and Rachel Ray was there the week before, and she threw a strike. So I went, "Oh, oh Jesus Christ!" Oh, you know? She's like, "I always... did it in ten minutes or less." Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. and other things. That's yeah. always the most frustrating. <laughs> I, I, I think, like, that's funny. Thank uh, you. I, I think, Come on, like, Brad, stay on top of things. I think, like, as a dude, something about throwing out the first pitch—that's like one of those barometers of where you are as a man. Oh like, yeah, man. It, it it used to be like, could you hunt for your family? Now it's like, can you throw out the first pitch? Uh, it's at Wrigley. Well, yeah. you know, and look. <laughs> yes, you know, I the, said throughout the first piss. I got that. Yes. But whatever. That's what I, you know, that was exciting. Being on The Tonight Show, you always hope to be on. I wanted to be on with Johnny, but was mm-hmm. on with Jay. Well, but uh, we, oh, can we just briefly talk about that? You can talk about that you and, you, like. you and Burt Reynolds. Yep. Uh, had you ever met Burt Reynolds? Never. Okay. So you had no, did you know anything about him? I know he was nuts. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he was going through all sorts of problems at the time because mm-hmm. he was going through this divorce with uh, Lonnie Anderson. Right, right. And so he was pressured. Yeah. And um, he was having a bad night. He was not, uh, I, I, he just wasn't in a playful mood. Not at all. Um, not at although all. what he did seemed playful to the people who were watching. They're like, this well, is probably scripted. Keep yeah. in mind that I had been booked on the show for a year and kept getting canceled. So now I'm backstage and Bert's going crazy and he's supposed to do two segments. Then I'm supposed to go on and then Carrot Top's supposed to go on. Okay, so Bert's kicking. Boy, Mary fuck Hill on that one. Yeah, huh? <laughs> Bert Reynolds, Mark Summers, Carrot Top. Ready? And so here's what happens: Bert's kicking ass. So they go three segments. So they yeah. come backstage and they say, oh. "We're going to have to cancel you, Summers." And my publicist at that point went bullshit. Yeah, and he yeah. handled. Uh, Jason Alexander yeah. at the time, and he said, "If you ever want Jason Alexander on the show again, you better put Summers on." So they bumped Carrot Top to put me on. Okay, <sighs> Mark Summers more yeah. popular than Carrot well, no. Top. Yeah. Can you imagine the guys backstage? He goes, "Summers Carrot Top." Nobody knows who the hell either one of these people are. <laughs> so, but because I had some clout behind me, I got on. Right. 
And then it just turned into a pig fuck. It was. It was <laughs> <Yeah>. just. <laughs> By the way, and he and he. Yes, whatever you think pig fuck is, yes, that's what it is. It's Burt Reynolds and Mark Summers in so, a pie fight. Yeah. A pie, well, before that, he he had jabbed at you about. Um, you just you had your you were talking to Jay, so yeah. you had your back turned to Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. He made some comment about you. He just was under his breath making some comments. Yeah, so you, and so he, you're you're he trying to acknowledge water him. On me, he poured water, but you were trying to like acknowledge him. But you're also like, hey man, I'm I'm talking to Jay because now yeah. it's my turn. You did your segment. Let yeah. me do mine. Now he's talking to you, and then he says something like, oh, hey, have your back turned to me. So then you turn to him, and then he said, like, oh, what, what? And he made some comment about you doing something, something a kid show. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then he you made. A comment to him, I think, about his... his wife. He said, uh, who tells you you have obsessive compulsive disorder? I said, my wife, by the way, I'm still married. Okay? And the audience <laughs> went, whoa. To and, a guy who's just going through a divorce. Oh, yes. The most high-profile divorce oh, in the yes. country at the time. So he pours water... In his on, lap. Uh, yes, in my lap. And, and I go to put... And he straight arms me, and he knocks this porcelain cup in my face. I thought he had broken my yeah, teeth. I know he, what's going he, on. You, you immediately, cat reflex, like it was quick, tried to didn't, you know go tit for tat and throw water, and he stiff arms your water yes. glass... Almost hits your face. And Jay says to me, welcome to Late Night TV. And, <laughs> and, and I say, uh, you know, I was doing this nice little show. And I said, I used to do Win, Lose, Draw all the time. And he goes, funny. I don't remember. And then he put his hand on mine. And I said, don't touch me. Okay. And then the audience <laughs> went, oh. And, and so. And it's it, real at this point. This is yeah. all real. Yeah. And the next thing I know, um, I see a glass of water in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I poured it all over him. And the audience, I literally, they stood up. I got a standing ovation. Okay. You never see that because they don't see the audience. But they sure. stood up. And. What if you'd taken out double dare goggles and given it to him before yeah. you poured the water on him? Well, it was in, you know, and then he said to me, I deserve that. And I said, you did. He said, yes, as I was saying to your wife the other night. I mean, it got to be oh, ridiculous. Shit. It got to be like that. Yeah. Next thing I know, there's pies out there and we yeah. get into a pie fight. Yeah. Oh and God. so, you know, I remember getting in the car and I called my wife on the cell phone and I said, Either the best thing in the world just happened right. or the worst. I didn't know. And, of course, they started. At the time, Dave had beaten Jay every night. Mm-hmm. And that was the first night Jay tied Dave. Are you serious? No, it was the first night uh, that because they promoted. I wasn't out of the studio five minutes. By the time I got home, they were saying, watch uh, Burt Reynolds go crazy on The Tonight Show. Yeah. But they didn't show the whole thing, okay? Right. So that was crazy. And I couldn't tell. Well, the next day in the uh, New York Post, it says, Burt goes berserk on Tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm on Entertainment Tonight. I'm on every show. People are calling me. Because they all want to hear that. It was real, and they want to hear right. that. Like, well, that's you have it. And I said, I'm not that good an actor. I yeah. couldn't rehearse that. Yeah. You know, it, there's a classic thing where uh, Don Rickles and, and Johnny Carson got into this thing with a hot tub and all that stuff. And I was on a plane with Rickles once. He told me it was what? all set up. And so I, you know, which I didn't know. And everybody wow. thought this was set up. I went, Jesus, I no, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I wish it was, but yeah. but it wasn't. But, and so Jay calls me the next day and goes, Hey, what was going on with you? What do you think he was, he was doing that? You know? And I was like, Well, Jesus, I don't know, man. It was your show. Your show. Right. And at the end, we tried to pie Jay, and Jay was a pussy. He should have taken the pie. Johnny would have taken the pie. <laughs> Someone isolate that audio, please. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, you, Johnny would have taken it, yeah. but Jay yeah. ran. You know, mm-hmm. Jay was new in the game, so yeah. I'm not going to tell you. But anyway, it's I mean, insane. it's those kinds of experiences that I've had mm-hmm. that have kind of, you know, I keep reinventing myself sometimes by luck and sometimes it's planned, but that kind of stuff you can't make up. You but know? I love, too, watching on that because you you were fearless and you were, like, yes-anding the situation. You didn't make it... You also just played the reality of the moment. Well, here's the I, other thing. I'm a stand-up comic. Yeah, right. Most people don't know that. I, I got this guy heckling me. So it's survival of the fittest. Your I job at was, that point. Fuck you, yeah. man. Shut I'm down the heckler. That's thing. what I love. Yeah. And that's I could sense that right away. And I'm oh, thinking, yeah. so many of your hosting gigs and everything up until that moment had prepped you for 
dick ass Burt Reynolds giving you uh, and and because you didn't even flinch from the no. jabbing throwing that like and mm-hmm. I'm still married. I mean like because he deserved that man. Absolutely. He did deserve that. So uh, sure. and a lot of guests would have been like <laughs> laughed it off and not mm-hmm. and well, no. you created... I've been waiting to be on that show my whole life. This prick is not going to screw it up <laughs> right. for me. That was right. And my son said to me, "Why didn't you pull his wig off?" I went, "Well, look, you know." <laughs> here's the thing. Wait, how old is your kid at this point when he says uh, that? Uh, you know. 16. That's you know? awesome. So but here's the funny thing. He comes out. Mm-hmm. He's got lifts this big. Okay. Yeah. He's got a wig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got this, you know, tan makeup on. So he's got to go in a room and and become this Burt, Burt Reynolds, Reynolds yeah. guy. Right. You know, the sad part about it is, is, you know, he, he just had this auction where he's totally broke. No. And they had to sell everything so he could pay his bills and, and live. Oh, and then, hmm. I mean, how does a guy who's like the number one box office star five years in a row right. end up with no money? It's a very sad story. I don't wish bad on anybody. No. I mean, he did a stupid thing that night and all that other stuff, but I don't want to see him fail. No. no. And it's very sad. And I tried to get in touch with him many times after the fact. Okay. No to get him, because at the time I was doing the talk show on, on Lifetime, we wanted to have him on as a guest. been great. And mm-hmm. he, he, I never talked. I, that was the first time I met him, and I never talked to him ever again. <laughs> but know? I just love how you didn't see him in that moment. You didn't see him as Burt Reynolds. Hell no. You saw him as the guy trying to fuck up my Tonight Show. That's exactly it. And I was on stage at the Comedy Store. And mm-hmm. if you're going to screw with me, you know, you know, we all have all these heckler lines. You know, stick yeah. around, put dough on the seat, stick your face, and we'll make asshole cookies. You know, we all do the lines. <laughs> wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. I've never heard that one. You no. never heard that one. Yeah, that must the, be old school. For us coming up, the staple is, hey, I don't come to your work and knock the dicks out of your mouth. Yeah, like, yeah. all that kind of so, stuff. Wait, so what is it? It's, the line is, uh, hey, sir, stick around. We're going to put some dough on the seats, put your face in, we'll make asshole cookies. <laughs> was the line. Um, and my favorite line we are we are totally bringing that line back <laughs> by the way I love that it's food related that yes. make it- <laughs> my best line was this guy and I forget who it was it may have been Dreesen I forget who it was no it was um, uh, God I forget the guy's name right off the top of my head but anyway he was being heckled by a woman which mm-hmm. very rarely happens and he said hey sweetie as long as I have a face you'll have some place to sit what was my favorite line <laughs> and, and, and the other line was uh, this girl's so fat that when she sits on a quarter boogers come out of George Washington's nose <laughs> which I loved I mean those oh, old yeah. heckler lines those, oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to uh, buy those Yo Mama Snaps books and oh. elementary school and memorize them yeah right. Right. people. and I would there was I mean yeah the ones like your mama's so fat her blood types ragu yeah right yeah, I mean uh, when, she sit, when she sits around the house she really sits around, she the, sits house. around the house yeah, your, yeah, what was the? Yeah, and then there was one that was like, uh, uh, "Your mom is so ugly, she makes blind kids cry or something." <laughs> I mean, like she has to trick or treat over the phone. I mean, oh uh, man, yeah, there's some <laughs> some mean ones. Um, all right, before we wrap this up, yep. Um, uh, but real quick, Oprah didn't give you any heckling. Oprah moments. was great. The first yeah. time I did yeah. it, we talked about OCD, and the second time um, I did it, we talked about food. And I was up against Alton Brown, who was about he's the most talented guy ever and funny and and so I they called me and said we're going to do a thing about uh, moon pies and this and that and uh, it's between you and Alton I said well just hire Alton he's like a hundred times better than I'll ever be and I got the job some I don't know how and I'm sitting there on the set with Oprah talking about moon pies and, and RC Cola. So I'm thinking, this is the most bizarre thing in my this life. Is, your, your life is a Mad Libs episode well, at it that is. point. And they said to me, Oprah's on a diet. Uh, make sure she doesn't eat the moon pie. I said, well, I can't control that. <laughs> I can't and control Oprah. Son of a bitch. She started eating the damn moon pie. Like, it was my fault, you know. <laughs> Uh, but she was people terrific. are probably coming up to you like, we told you not to let Oprah eat the moon pies. Like, she's not a gremlin. It's not like she eats the moon pies and four other Oprahs uh, pop out. So ridiculous. And so <laughs> it was great. And the first time I did it, I was like intimidated and all this stuff. Second time, you know, she, hey, let's, we didn't take a picture last time. Took wow. pictures and all this stuff. And they just did a segment on me, the best segment ever on Where Are They Now, mm-hmm. which is a show they do on, uh, on the O Channel. Yeah. And they go back and talk to people who are on the Oprah show. And they 
did my life in seven minutes that was so amazing. What I don't was know that like to watch? It was bizarre. You know, my daughter watched it and she said, Sounds Dad, like they really. No, it, well, no, no not at all. But uh... It was very positive because you Good. don't know what they're going to do. Sure. They came to my office in Philadelphia and uh, hung around with me there. They followed me. I was, uh, uh, I'm a head judge on a show called uh, Rewrapped on Food Network. They shot stuff there and they had eight hours of footage that they were cut down to seven minutes. It's like, wow. well, what the hell is that going to be? Right. And it was fantastic. They really did. Is it online? Show. I mean, I hope. I think it is. Yeah. Maybe, you know, go to the O channel and. Punch in Mark Summers. Mark Summers, where are they there. now? But they really did a nice job. After you watch the Burt Reynolds clip. <laughs> yeah, right. So, <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. It's it's been a it's been a hell of a career. It's been so much fun, and you know, I'm still trying to do it. So, at uh, you know, almost 64, I figure maybe at 70, I'll slow down a little bit. You know? <laughs> maybe, maybe, but uh, maybe not. But maybe that's when you start your serious radio uh, show. Should be. Know? Or, uh, or well, the Mark Summers podcast, which you should totally do. Yeah, people tell me that. That's a lot of work. You guys are working hard. It man. is. Yeah, I mean, it's... I love it because you guys did your homework. You know everything. Good. Okay, good. Cool, man. I'm very this, Was it good? Because you told me to ask good questions. I feel like you we've... You did. You uh, took me down a different road, okay, which was good. cool, man. Awesome. Uh, well, this is obviously, again, to be redundant, a... Huge street. Thank yeah. you. Uh, we've had on Melissa McCarthy, Lisa Kudrow, Bob Saget. Uh, this is a bigger deal to me. Oh my god! Yeah. Now, where did you do? Did you do those here? Right uh, here. Yeah, yeah. We and went so to Melissa's office because we. I was in the heat with her and Sandra Bullock. Oh, nice. And uh, and so you know, again, just like you do, build relationships. That's how Paul yeah. Feig came by, and you know, uh, Joy McIntyre from New Kids on the Block, and nice. just we're all in those movies. So then you know, just asked and like like with you, I stayed on Melissa for a while to, to do it and then and then at one point I just because there's a balance between being proactive and being a yeah, nuisance yeah. and you just got to feel it out and, uh, and then I saw her at a, a little party of Paul's and she's like hey aren't I supposed to do your podcast because I had left it alone and I was like yeah and then she goes hit up my assistant the same way you did because you're like I just I'm not it's not at the top of my list but if you go through this person then it's uh, yeah I, you know unfortunately uh, my but I appreciate you saying that because that no, was no I got you Ryan runs my life yeah. and uh, you know I always say coordinated through him yeah. and mm-hmm. I've been in you know, because I'm not here that often, it's hard to catch me. And I'm, I'm generally when I'm here, I'm working like crazy. Yeah, sure. Um, so it, it, it's kind of tough. Uh, Saget must have been great, though. I bet incredible. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was fantastic. I'll send you some sound bites. I mean, he yeah. made fun of my uh, grandpa's old chair a lot. He was just, uh, but a great blend too. Like you were of, of. Um, you know, talking, uh, adding funny, but also like getting uh, autobiographical about stuff, and and, and just a nice, smart man who's gone through a lot of interesting stuff. Totally fascinating you know? stuff. Yeah, um, but you making time for this is is uh, the best, and and it's to have one of your heroes be just as cool and funny oh, uh, is the yeah. best. Yeah. I, I've, I mean, they say never meet your heroes because they'll always disappoint you. That person never met Mark Summers. Oh, she nice. Yeah, you yeah. guys did a great job. I appreciate it. So, how do I hear this? Uh, well, send you the link. But cool. it's uh, we uh, uh, on iTunes and Stitcher and it's all on the uh, uh, you know aboutlastnightpodcast.com but we'll send it to nice. you. So yeah, you can send tweet me the it link out. And, uh, Are you a big yeah. Twitter guy? I am a big Twitter guy. You know, you kind of have to do it. You got to be on social media. And I, you know, when I got onto Twitter a couple of years ago, I didn't know what it was. And so they said, you know, what name do you want to So I, I put in the dumbest name. Instead of doing Mark Summers or the real Mark Summers or whatever, I put in IBATV MC, which I thought was being clever, <laughs> but of course now nobody can find me. And, and when I finally got verified, I asked yeah. if I could switch it over, and they wouldn't let me. So I'm always going to be IB a TV, and people go IBLT. Oh Jesus! So, IBS WMBA. What is that? <laughs> that's right. So it's IB a TV MC. Uh, that's mm-hmm. my thing. And but I think now if you put in Mark Summers, they find me. Yeah, it just goes to you. Sure. Uh, but yeah, and yeah, I'm on Twitter. Fairly often, um, and the shows that you uh, that are currently Mark Summers Productions that are going right now that people should be watching are Restaurant Impossible, and uh, there will be a Shark Special in July on Discovery, and uh, Six Degrees of Everything goes on August eighteenth on True. And so I'm always online. Uh, 
uh, tweeting about okay, uh, right. yeah. you know what's going on show wise, or if I'm making a personal appearance somewhere. Yeah. And it's fun, you know. There was a uh, an improv uh, troupe, sort of a Second City esque kind of thing yeah. in Chicago that did a double dare night, and so. <laughs> I flew to Chicago and hosted it one night. Oh, my oh God. God. How insane did those people they go? They went berserk. <laughs> and it was so much fun. I mean, I walked out and the, like this audience shat themselves. It was fantastic. Because <laughs> they didn't know you were going to be they there. They didn't know I was going to be and, and And that was so much fun. And then I mm-hmm. went out with the, the you know the cast afterwards. We hung out till like you know 11 o'clock eating and drinking and stuff. And you know people don't expect. But look, if you don't ask, you don't get. I was just going to say. And I love yeah. paying back and helping. And it's just fun. It's fun for me. It's more fun for me, believe it or not, than it is for you guys. It's just... So you're telling me if I get a handful of my uh, favorite comedians and up in Seattle, rent out a big theater and start to orchestrate some... If I work it out, I'd come up. (laughs) Well, now we know. Now we just added something to our bucket list, for sure. I mean, it's just so much fun. And, you Mm -hmm. know, trying to coordinate the schedules is sometimes tough. But um, why not do it? You know, I mean, why not? Yeah, why not? Why do not it? Oh, oh, why not have more fun that you weren't that you didn't know was uh, yeah. an option before? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, look, um, half the fun is helping other people as well. And if I can sell tickets or you know uh, do a charity thing or whatever, I was in San Diego two weekends ago uh, doing a thing for. There was a young girl who had a heart problem. She died at a young age, and uh, mm-hmm. they did this sort of Broadway show night. People know I like Broadway. Next thing I know, I was up there hosting the night, and uh, I'm going to do it again next year because awesome. it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on the board of a thing called Alex's Lemonade Stand, where we raise uh, millions of dollars for childhood cancer. Um, I got involved with that for two reasons. One, it was Philly-based. Number two, I was diagnosed with cancer about five years ago, yeah. and now I'm fine and all that stuff. Um, but it's it's paying back, you know. It's like you're put yeah. here on the planet to do good things, hopefully. And if you can help some other human by whatever notoriety I have, if it sells more seats and uh, raises more dollars, then then you should do it. You know, that's so. a that's a great thing to say, and that's a great model to live your life by. And uh, you look you look at the successes that you've had, and I mean, now hearing the stories behind those successes, I love hearing them because it's just you you showed up you put in your time you you did the hours and then when the work came your way you you were able to take advantage of right is there a little person's uh, sort of charity that we should raise money for there is actually yeah, it's, is called it really? the, it's called the brad williams rent fund <laughs> and it's called rent's coming up in two months and yeah uh, <laughs> did you did you ever meet uh, i met billy barty did I, you ever meet him i i did he was uh, a cool guy billy barty founded lpa yeah. which is little people of america yep and uh, I got to meet him a couple times, and one of the greatest honors I ever had in my life was to make him laugh. Well, that must have been cool. It was very, it was very. He cool. was a very nice man. And yeah. then throughout the years, I got to meet some of the folks who were uh, in Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. and, and no all kidding. stuff. And yeah, you know, and it's fun. You know, I don't know. I think we have one left. There's one, one left. There's one, one munchkin, munchkin left. left. Yeah, oh, which, my goodness. <laughs> which sounds like a one act play by itself. One munchkin left. <laughs> <But> <laughs> But yeah, we got uh, we we st- we still got we still got one of the Munchkins left. That's amazing, it. amazing. Well, I, I can just tell by by the way you are that you. I bet you're really funny on stage. I just have He's great. Thank yeah, you. Hey, hey, Mark, and I'm here too. But um, <laughs> uh, but I'm also great. But, well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, currently I have I, I have a one hour Showtime yeah. special that's uh, playing really? his yeah. first one hour comedy special. Yeah. Oh my god, it's a big deal. It airs this Friday. Well, yeah. By the time this airs, it will have already aired. Uh, but uh, that is way cool. Man. Yeah. I'll send you uh, a reminder for Ryan to tell you to DVR yeah. it on mm-hmm. Showtime. It's and what do you have coming? 
up? Uh, a lot of stuff, Mark. Yeah. Uh, sure. uh, he's going to be making in... a sandwich at Subway pretty soon. <laughs> Fuck you. I'll be at Scott's. To... I'm in Spy, the new Paul Feig movie coming out. Are you out. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah is. Um, oh, that's cool. Be, you know, I'm, I uh, travel on the weekends headlining. Same way, both of us are on the weekend, uh, on the road, three weekends a month. Um, nice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the podcast, we just currently left, a, we're trying to sell a travel show with us. Uh, we just left USA today. I just today. heard on uh, my walk in. Well, see, here's what you have I feel like maybe we should bring us. it to you, maybe okay. next. Well, we should talk about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. See, you have great looks. Okay. Thanks, buddy. And so, how about the voice? Look Doing at okay us. with the voice. I mean, we're trying hard here. <laughs> what are you talking about, Mark? I'm a beefcake. Yeah, why are you sucking me into your world? Yeah, I'm on. I mean, the hell. On. Let's look in the mirror. You can put me in the cupboard. Wait, wait. If you, if you just think about it, yeah. if you're a woman, yeah, and the three of us are walking down, yeah. who's going to get laid first? Oh, the midget. That's the best story. <laughs> You won't believe this. Obviously. Yeah. He's right. Yeah. Oh, a woman's never banged a Jew before. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. I mean, I don't even why you bring this up for a competition, Mark. That's right. No, as you mentioned, I think yeah. you're right. He is right. Yeah, you're right. For yeah. Yeah. And they're hung the same way. Yeah. I had no idea. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Darn right. Not uh, that I know that, but yeah. I'm, just, uh, I'm uh, supposing. Well, yeah. that's, that, that's a whole new type of physical challenge. Show. That's the show. Subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast. Give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessamay Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Slicing I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. 
Here's the thing about new Cherry Vanilla Coke. Though Cherry's named first, all the flavors taste just as great. I mean, it could have just as easily been Vanilla Cherry Coke, or it could have been Coke Cherry Vanilla. And since it's two amazing flavors of Coke, it might have been Coke Vanilla Cherry Coke or Cherry Vanilla Coke Coke. Mm, unless you're in France, which would make it Le Coke de la Vanilla de la Cherry de la Creme. New Cherry Vanilla Coke, so good together. And New Cherry Vanilla Coke Zero Sugar, same great taste, zero sugar.